The American Craftsman Podcast is sponsored by Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries. From hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, wood glue, shop carts, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Lux LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's a good one today. It's always it's always a little funny um, sitting through the intro when there's a guest <laughs> on who hasn't been on the show. Patiently waiting. There's all this anticipation. Like, okay, when's it going to start? <laughs> yeah, we got a special, special guest today. Yeah, joined by our buddy Jim of uh, Jim Jamal of Jamal Upholstery. Thank you guys for having me. I uh, appreciate being on. <laughs> We're glad to have you. Um, yes, yeah, so we started talking about this, uh, must've been what, like, a, was that a month ago we were up dropping off those banquettes? Yeah. Flirting with it. Yeah. Time flies. Um, so yeah, we were dropping off. I think, I think we, we had probably talked about it, dropping off that 43 foot banquette. 43 foot and one quarter inch. Yeah. <laughs> From what they say, but I, I, I honestly think it was 43 on a dot. From my <laughs> measurements, it was 86 each one, but uh, they look so good. From three months, four month process, finally today, mm-hmm. we just finished it out. So it looks really, really good. I can't wait to get some pictures and uh, send those over to you guys. Yeah, Jim does amazing work. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really happy to have been able to work with him. Um, and we're saving up our pennies because we want to have some Jim Jamal work in our homes. <laughs> I tell you, well, I definitely appreciate that. And uh, likewise, I mean, just finding a skilled carpenter yeah. to, uh, you know, help on the journey of some of our like neater projects, especially the, the tradesmen can't afford their own work. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> I always tell customers I just vicariously live through them yeah. and, yeah. you know, just ship it off and, my mother always would tell me, the second generation owners, uh, you remember the furniture, not the person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you always. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, uh, it's a neat process. Uh, I was born into the trade uh, 60 years now in Jersey City, dating back over 100 in the Middle East. Yeah, is, that's pretty impressive. Right? Yeah. And uh, it's funny, we came to, or my grandparents came to this country because my great uncle he had an upholstery shop in jersey city and told my grandmother his uh sister you know hey come on you gotta you know you'll make a ton of money my dad still says this today he said jim they told us the streets were gold (laughs) you know paved in gold yeah and uh he came here and he was so surprised but uh we've squandered it all (laughs) in those hundred years so, uh, what year did they come over? So literally my uncle told them in, uh, 62, 63, they came over one by one as my dad would say on the banana boat. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he opened a business right then and there. Yeah. I see on the shirt established in 1963. I'm telling you, aren't they beautiful shirts? Yeah. We, we I almost wore mine today. Yeah. Oh, we sport them. 
It's okay. in the rotation. It's in that five yeah. shirt rotation. Definitely. That's what you got, honestly. I'm waiting for my Green Street shirt. You know? Yeah, oh, we got to get more. We got to get more. Oh, man. But uh, no, it's, it's been a neat process. Um, my grandfather didn't really care about the business. He was more into the realtor side of, or real estate side of uh, the American dream, mm-hmm. where he bought up all of what's now known as Indian Square in Jersey City. And my father would go around collecting the rent and it'd take him a day and a half, two days. Cause you know, that's what he did. And it, Hey, that, you know, gratefully made his dream happen. My father took a different role and saw the possibilities that, you know, we see now that my business is, I mean, we are a mom and pop shop, but we do so many just big, exciting projects. Like with you guys, just that 43 foot long banquette and a 200 inch long banquette in the sister restaurant, mm-hmm. but also in technology companies like, I don't know if I'm able to say Nike, Google, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So copyright infringement, right? Oh, no, no, no. Whatever the hell it is. Come, but, come at us, <laughs> Nike and Google. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's neat. You just, you meet, you know, a lot of interesting people. Like, uh, we were connected by Jacqueline, Don yep. Douglas. Um, I don't know how long ago it was. It feels like forever, honestly. I'm trying to think of what that first project was. Um, for me, with Jacqueline, it was Solaya. I think that's the uh, first yeah. process we did with them. Yeah, that those four chaise lounges. The four chaise lounges, and then the um, we did um, the banquet seating. In the co-working in or the something. In the co-working space. Yeah, Jacqueline didn't use us for that. She used somebody else. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, at least she was honest, right? Yeah. <laughs> she didn't tell us. She just didn't te- told us. She just omitted that we didn't get that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> if you're listening, Jacqueline. Yeah. As, as long as you're getting a, you know, a piece, my father said, that's yeah. all you need to survive. We and, just need a slice of the pie. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just, I'm sure like with you, like business is always just a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, one day you'll have, uh, designers, you know, chomping at you for, uh, a quote timeline and everything or whoever. And then two years later, you'll hear back yep. <laughs> after that, which is always a fun experience. It's always feast or famine. And it's like you get almost to the finish line on all these jobs. And you know, because you've given us prices on a bunch of stuff, those sectionals that, that we were talking about, oh, yeah. you get to like, you know, it's like, okay, send the money. And it's like, they're gone. They disappear. Into <laughs> the ether. I've had clients that are like, oh, you need to pick this up right away. But can you hold on to it for three, four months? And I'm like, what do you, you know, you're crazy. Yeah. If you've seen our shop, obviously they mm-hmm. would know. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm laughing because your shop is, it's like something out of central casting, you know, if they wanted to like create like an, an overworked, overcrowded, like almost like a bizarre, with, you know, with two A's bizarre kind of uh, experience. It's definitely a diamond in the rough, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's always a game of furniture Tetris mm-hmm. every day. We're always moving around stuff. Um. My parents' house is a great storage unit, so that's always fun. But, uh, yeah, we make it work. Uh, it's, I think it's uh, about 70 foot by 15. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so. I was trying to, because we were talking to John. John Peters was here a little while ago, and uh, he knew you were coming on. And we're like, yeah, we're like, you can almost, like, touch either wall. <laughs> like, if you spread your if I, you know, if I was a little taller. It's a real diamond in a rough. Um, a lot of customers actually come to us and they're like, you know, where are where are you located? We mm-hmm. don't we we have no idea. And 
when you walk in, you're kind of just like, what the hell is this place? Is it a junk <laughs> shop or what? <laughs> no, it doesn't look, it looks like an upholstery shop, but yeah. it's um, a little disheveled. Well, it's controlled chaos because, I mean, if you had seen, it's chaos in the shop right now, but if you had seen the old shop, same oh. thing, you know, we're in a, a 24 by 36 with all these big machines and just crammed in there, you know, stuff stacked, stacked on top up. of other stuff and yeah. every square inch of wall is covered with, you know, stuff hanging. You got to use every inch you got, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I've been learning. It's, uh, it's wild. My dad used to have more cabinets and everything else in between and... We've thrown out tables and everything else, and I'm still just like, how the heck does he getting sofas in here? Um, we just had a recent job we did. You guys saw at the St. Peter's University uh, mm -hmm. circular sofas. Yeah, that's sofas. very cool. Yeah. Holy moly, trying to get those into the shop was not easy, so I had to cut those in half. And that, that I mean, that's more than just like upholstery than you think in the um, traditional sense. Like, you guys had to go there demo these things, bring them back. You had to cut them to get them inside and then you have to go and put it back together. You know, it's not like you're yeah. just, oh, let's just do the upholstery. I mean, you have to do all those other aspects of the job. The before and afters are pretty amazing. Isn't it crazy? That's, you know, that's, I think that's what everybody sees and that's what everybody's amazed by. But at the same time, just like you, you give a person a price and, uh, you know, some people have a heart attack and don't understand <laughs> what that middle process is. Me yeah. having to, you know, destall a specific part or just picking up just logistically wise. And realistically, you know, there's three or four of us at a given day and uh, just trying to scratch out a living. Yeah, honestly, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a hustle. You know, it's a grind. And uh, I watched my dad do it since I was as young as I can remember and always kind of idolized my dad for doing what he did. Um, my dad had 30 odd jobs in his life, hairstylist, wall street, hmm. pencil factory, um, and his English accent. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so, it kind of looks like a Colombian drug lord. He's got all these rings and gold, uh, <laughs> you know, necklaces on. He's got his little hat and his cane. So yeah, but, British uh, accent. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Be good for TV. Yeah. Um. <laughs> any any uh, producers out there? Yeah. My, I told you this before, but my two uncles had an upholstery shop in Brooklyn yes. on Avenue. Yes. That was back when it was before, you know, pneumatics and everything. Yeah. It was the mouthful attacks. Nail with the, attacks. With the magnetic hammer. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me because, you know, the industry has changed so much since you know, just the technology has advanced. It, ha it hasn't advanced much, honestly, <laughs> since that, that staple gun um, or air pressure. But we still do a couple traditional pieces here and there, but I would say it's less than like three to five a year. Yeah. So very limited. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to pay more. You yeah. know, obviously it takes longer. Like you said, tack and, tack and hammer, you know. Those are lifetime pieces, though. You know, you, yeah. the the frames and everything, you just reupholster. That's how I grew up. No, of course. You yeah. know, that you would just reupholster the piece that was already in the house. And today, it's uh, throwaway furniture, unfortunately. Yeah. My father would tell me he would see upholstery or reupholstering commercials on TV. And I can't fathom that. You know, it's, a, it's such a niche, you know, thing now. Uh, same as like carpentry, honestly. And I mean, 
my father would tell me about 40 to 50 guys doing upholstery in Jersey City alone when he was in his prime. And I, you know, that you can't fathom either. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically just been us since, uh, I don't know, for the last decade or so. COVID wasn't kind to a lot of the older upholsters in our area. Yeah, I can imagine. You guys did a Duncan Fife um, not too long ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we did a Duncan Fife and it was beautiful. We did. Wow. Uh, we actually did a couple. Actually, um, there was the green one we did. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about. We had to. Uh, we had to. Had like claw feet, I think. Yeah, so we had to uh, fix and repair one of the legs. We actually like replaced part with not as a great a leg, but we did our little handyman <laughs> craftsman work. I'm sure you guys could have done a little better, but it whatever great. the budget calls were, you know, no. Yeah. It was a sentimental piece. Like Rob was saying, I mean, realistically, that's what you did back in the day. Mm-hmm. You got your furniture reupholstered. Yeah. And it's really neat to me that I've done furniture that my grandfather's reupholstered, that my father's reupholstered and that I've reupholstered now. And that, um, those pieces of furniture has actually like just followed me with or followed in their generations as well as with me. So kind of is neat. And, uh, we'll find like old, like, uh, platform, like tape or not tape, but tickets with like Jamal upholstery on mm-hmm. it from like way back in the mm, day. That's cool. Yeah. My grandfather would do the upholstery himself. My grandmother would sew. Yes. My mother was the seamstress. Okay. <laughs> and uh my dad was the was same the, stuff was a job getter immigrants taken to the trades yeah. you know and um i i remember growing up and it's funny now because like my mom would make drapes out of the same material of that we would get the furniture upholstered oh, yeah. in everything's all coordinated yeah. oh yeah <laughs> we need some chairs with this uh pattern on it yeah the 70s called yes i yeah. love it jacqueline was calling this the porn room like yeah. a 19 okay that, I think that's why the uh, listenership was so uh, good on, yeah. on that episode. Yeah. We, we, oh, had, we had our first female guest, and she, oh, was, she did not disappoint. <laughs> well, I listened to a good amount of that, and that was a, it was a good episode. You yeah, know, a lot was, of people really liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're listening and you uh, want to hear from more interior designers, let us know, because we have a couple that we could, um, at least one other, one other off yeah. the top of our head um, that we could get in. It's always very neat how uh, both of our industries are kind of intertwined, kind of just blending in and dipping in different areas, whether it be banquettes, you know, or, I mean, just even weirder stuff that we've built, like the chaise for Mm -hmm. Solaya. That uh, capsule-shaped sofa. Oh, yeah, that was... That was cool. That was really cool. And then that, uh, that mini furniture maker... Holy moly. Oh, yeah. That was insane. She recreated that in, like, she makes, like, miniature furniture for, mm. I guess, like, dollhouses and stuff? I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, it looks expensive. Yeah. Uh, but it seems Probably like... Probably more than we got. For right. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like uh, she's making uh, she's making the money with uh, that, that modular sofa. So, good for her. Yeah. You know, it looks great. Oh, we did the sectional... Um, that had the wood like table thing over oh, top yeah. of it. Oh yeah. man, I'm not sure if they still have that. If they, oh uh, god, that was a ill-conceived. That was yeah. a long process. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I like uh, is that we build these sort of plywood caucuses, and then they go to you, and you pull like those that channel. I didn't know what channel backs were. I mean, I'd seen them, I didn't know what it was called or anything. But you do all this work on it, and you can't really imagine that it's just this bare carcass underneath 
Uh, for me, it's kind of funny. Well, not funny, I guess, because every day this is what I've seen mm-hmm. my whole life. You know, like this is, oh, it's another day. You know, we're going to tough the 100-foot-long wall or we're going to channel a 43-foot-long banquette. And, uh, you know, I'm very appreciative of the people I have around me that I'm uh, surrounding me in the business. Um, Roberto's been with my family for 18 years now, being a big part of the business. Wow. So, he seems like a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's known me since I was 15. So, wow. you know, we've been together forever. Uh, Robert's got about 40 years of experience. Uh, another gentleman who works for us, Jonathan, he's got about 50 years experience Jeez. in Honduras. They give you the tools. Like as soon as you can start functioning with tools, basically seven, eight years old. And when he was, I think 12 years old, he cut off his finger, oh but the God. guy and he, with a saw, but he's still doing upholstery. You know, he's, he works with me. He's, uh, in a design shop in the city as well. And just finding people like that want, well, number one, have the passion, and number two, are willing to work a little harder for, you know, but you have to really love what you do. And I've been running this business now five years, and maybe 50 guys I've run through, and, you know, they tell you, oh, you know, I can do this, I can cut, I can sew, and, you know, give you the whole spiel, and then you're, you're, Hundred-year-old sewing machine's broken. So <laughs> never broke before, but it's broken now. Isn't that crazy? So yeah. then you gotta, you know, you're just you're down another like you're just like you went through this process of trying to like teach this other person. You wasted another couple weeks, and it's just so so hard. But mm-hmm. you know, like I said, just very fortunate with the people surrounded in the business, and uh, because we've been so busy, I've been able to take a step back um, in the past like year or so where I'm doing more of the face of the business, social media. Um, If you want, follow us at Jamal Upholstery. Yeah. 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 Plug away. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, But it's, uh, I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate because like I said, my grandfather was more into the real estate side of it. My father really expanded the business to what it is to include, like we said, like Broadway plays, Mm -hmm. you know, I was going to mention that before you guys did some stuff for Broadway. Yeah. Usually we do about three to five plays a year. Um, we haven't done any this year, but last year we did the piano lesson, um, with Samuel L. Jackson. Um, we did POTUS, um, with, uh, oh God, Vanessa Williams. Hmm. And then, um, we also did, uh, a pretty woman. Um, that was a traveling show and it went all over the country. Um, but yeah, so we used to work with a scenery company or we still do, I should say based in Jersey city. Um, and they would, you know, do all our banquets and everything and they got a little too big and I needed to find another carpenter and it's, uh, it took me a year and a half, but Oh man, thank you, Jacqueline for that plug. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've enjoyed it. You know, it's a, it's a nice break from what we typically do, you know, where it's, we still want to build it really nice, but it's like, it's not so, you're not going to end up really seeing anything that we do. So it's like, there's a little more, it's a little more carefree of a build, you mm-hmm. know, it's less stressful for sure. Yeah. Um, don't have to wipe off every single bit of glue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. You can stay, you know, put some staples. <laughs> well, realistically, you're giving me like a carcass and we yeah. just have yeah. to dress her up. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm always, I mean, 
I, I shouldn't say I'm not amazed by some of the stuff we do. I mean, I was, I mean, I'm super passionate about the business and just so proud of uh, being able to say like, you know, hey, 43 foot long banquet. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, I, I don't think I've ever made a banquet that long before. And, but we've had actually, that was our second banquet or third banquet build. Those U-shaped yeah, ones those, we did, were those yeah. were cool. Mm-hmm. That was in uh, my own backup. So that was a like a tech Google company. Mm-hmm. Those things were huge. Did they ever put the plane inside? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> freaking huge. Oh. Just a imagine a legit plane inside a building, like the interior of a plane with like a cocktail bar in it. And it's like, that's going to be your closing room. That's what they made. That's pretty cool. You're looking at our cocktail bar right there. <laughs> Nespresso. <laughs> you got to get some scotch over there. We got a bottle of Prosecco down there. Oh, boy. That uh, Brian, our machinery salesman, uh, brought it to us when we bought that ungodly expensive edge bander out there. I can only imagine you have uh, a lot more expensive tools than I have in my <laughs> shop. I don't even want to ask how much you've uh, sunk in the tools in uh, the past been an expensive seven months but you did it yeah Yeah. so that's uh that's credit to you guys for being able to make that happen right yeah um when you mentioned uh you know people following you and stuff like that give everybody the the address because it's jamal but it's what j-a-m-m-a-l yeah no one knows exactly so uh my family's palestinian uh my father would tell me one we're catholic one m is muslim and two is uh, Catholic, I said, hmm. whatever floats your boat, Dad. Uh, yeah, my, my my father was born in Jerusalem. Got we a don't whole get free Palestine. Yeah, they got a. They, honestly, uh, I kind of alluded to this story before, um, but I will add myself after. Uh, I'll just briefly go over it. My uh, so my fa- my family was in Palestine in the mid forties, nineteen forty six. My dad was born in forty seven. And uh, he was one years old, and at uh, the war of uh, 1948 started mm-hmm. when England gave Israel their independence. And my uh, uncle, who ended up saving my father's life with a bone marrow transplant uh, many years later, was shot in the leg by an Israeli officer. Hmm. Uh, so my grandmother said, it's, uh, it's time. Time to go. Time to go. So my dad, one year old. And the other six children uh, get on the back of a pickup truck and got the heck out with anything they could carry. Uh, my grandfather joined the Royal Air Force, and he went through Lebanon, Syria, Cyprus, Jordan, um, and finally in England. But in the Middle East, he would build runways for the Royal Air Force <laughs> for their planes. and. He'd do upholstery on the side. Wow. Very interesting perspective that you don't really hear often. That story is not told yeah, much in these parts. That's something that, you know, it's like in history class, you don't learn about, you know, who was <laughs> who lived in Israel before, before World War II, right. you know. And- yeah, it's uh it was it's a melting pot of uh many different uh cultures that I don't think many people realize. Um, but I'm thankful that my family was able to get out when they did. Um my uncle wrote, or my great cousin, excuse me, wrote an article, and it's really interesting. Um, I'll send it to you guys if you want. It's, yeah, uh, definitely. Just about like just 
kind of what happened of getting them getting out. Um, the other part of my family, like not my family, but uh, not my my extended family, they like left in a Rolls Royce. You know? <laughs> yeah, so a little different than my uh, the six kids in the back of yeah, a pickup. Back of a pickup. So uh, where in England did they end up? So they ended up in Birkenhead, uh, um, which is by Liverpool. Oh, that's the north, right? Yeah, and that's where my dad's accent comes from, and hmm. it's oh, Liverpudlian. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Is that north west or northeast? Yeah, Liverpool? I think so. It's yeah, it's far east. Um, so grew up there, very very poor. Um. My grandfather did upholstery there as well and still did stuff in the World Air Force, but that's how he kind of got their golden ticket out of the Middle East. And uh, my dad would tell me stories because the final sibling count was 10. So they, you know, they'd be poor as all heck and uh, banana bread every day or banana on bread every day. Hmm. And they would actually raise bunnies to make extra money and sell them. And people would eat them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. delicious. Work. <laughs> right? So they were there for, I think it was like 10 years. And then uh, they came to Jersey City. Like I said, my great uncle said, the getting's good. And uh, opened up an upholstery shop. And in 2001, we moved up the block um, to where we are now, which is Journal Square in Jersey City. AKA chaos. <laughs> <laughs> we try and be out by like nine thirty AM if we can. It's like I, I, I growing up like, you know, there and seeing it through the decades, it's uh it's pretty interesting just because, you know, it just used to be the hood and no one wanted to be there. Property was worthless. Um I think my grandfather was buying buildings in the sixties for like five thousand dollars, you oh know. God. Crazy, right? Imagine. Uh, a little tougher for us today, huh? Yeah. It's like every time we, we come to, um, your shop, there's a new giant building being built somewhere, you know, it's like, well, they leveled that, (laughs) that, uh, house right there and they're putting up something that's like 30 stories. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the J squared buildings. There's three of them now. Um, Mm. there's, uh, it's Kushner's buildings. There's one that's, uh, I think 60 stories, 70 stories, Holy and one that's cow. 50 stories, and one that's 40 stories that Jay just did. Now, this is a, these are blocks with three-story buildings yeah. Yeah. predominantly. Yep. So that was a parking lot when I was a kid uh, learning the upholstery trade with my father and mother. Um, a woman would sit there and collect like $5 from everybody, and that was just, you know, that was yeah. a parking lot. And it's insane that they put three crazy buildings there. Not only are they doing that, but they're building a uh, green space. So, I mean, we're very fortunate. It's only, I think, going to help me in oh, like, yeah. the industry we're in, yeah. so it should be good. Um, but it, like you said, I mean, you've got blocks with two-family, three-family houses that, you know, now you have six, seven buildings that are 15-plus, you know, stories, and you're kind of scratching your head. So good to see Jersey City kind of coming back, but also not to see the gentrification. Yeah. You know, some of the less fortunate people getting kicked out. Yeah, because where do you go, you know? Right. Hey. South or west? Yeah. Until, uh, you know, the creep, the urban creep. Was it urban creep? Is that the right? I don't know. Yeah. You know, as the people, they're coming out of New York City. You know, New York City is getting mm-hmm. bigger and bigger, and they're yeah. just it's just swallowing up everything around it. It's so insane. Literally, like, I can't tell you how many times I go to Brooklyn and... 
same story. Oh, we're moving to the Heights. We're moving to downtown. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but it's, you see it more and more. I mean, I love it. Uh, don't get me wrong because, you know, I love that kind of hip, you know, New York vibe, like those little bistros coming to the neighborhood, mm-hmm. just like, that banquet bill that we just did. So those are clients moving in, you know, that's how I see it. And, um, I, uh, I honestly, I wish I started social media earlier, uh, but not a big social media guy. Um, uh, like Rob, I was a history teacher for a few years, so I just didn't need it during that anyway. And, uh, just started doing that and like the world, my eyes have opened, mm-hmm. you know, from how great of a tool that can be just mm. yeah, it's for a huge, business. Huge part of, you know, it's a necessary evil. It could be yeah. exhausting and, and feel very fake at times, but it's the new it's form the new of advertising. Page, yeah. Of yeah, that, oh yeah. It's totally gone. I mean, I don't think people understand how much time it takes that is like put into the social media mm-hmm. aspect of it. I, I mean, I can only imagine this show, like, you know, the time and, you know, everything that this takes. Um, straight, but, straight to tape. Yeah. The, well, all right, so that's we've got, I mean, it used We're to take, wrong. yeah, it used to take longer, <laughs> but literally when I hit stop record, that's it. It's going to get uploaded. Oh. I got like 10 more minutes of, you know, uploading and then yeah. that's it. Hey, Jim, I want to circle back to the banana sandwich. Oh, yeah. Because I grew up with that. We used to toast the bread. Yeah. yeah. With sugar or no? No, no. And you smash the banana or just yeah, slice you just it? Yeah, banana on toast. Yeah. For me, I, I, like we were talking about before we uh, started, I got a textures thing. So yeah. that just doesn't work for me. Butter? Any butter? No. Any? Just banana. Just banana. Just banana. We do like peanut butter and banana no, yeah, on yeah, toast. Yeah, That's yeah. good. It's too expensive. Yeah. You could have some rabbit, but that's, no banana. That's, that's <laughs> the immigrant. I would, I would take the rabbit. <laughs> that's the immigrant stuff. It is. And uh, yeah. like kind of we were talking about, like, you don't really hear that um, a lot. I mean, I feel like I'm a 90-year-old man in a 33-year-old body at this point yeah. because I know so much of this history mm-hmm. and, like, everything. And I'm, I'm thankful that it's uh, close to, you know, that I'm so close to our removal from another place or actually our migration here, I should say, mm-hmm. and how the business is kind of connected to that migration. So it's, uh, it's very neat. Oh yeah. I, I mean, mean, talk about a real example of the American dream, yeah. like in 50 years, not even 50 years. I don't know. Uh, they started the, the upholstery business of what? 63. 63 yeah. Jersey. So, you know, April was 60 years and only came here in the fifties. No, they came here that year. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. They uh, hit the ground running. Immigrants, you know, they want to yeah. work. I mean, and you're not. That's it. Uh, you can't do that now, you know? No. People come here and and you can't start your own business. You know, it's a lot harder. Yeah, it's, uh, well. Not I'll, to discredit what no, your family did. A lot of, I, I would say it's it's a lot harder just and just getting the monetary funds you need yeah. compared to back then. You know, back then it was like a handshake, mm-hmm. you know, and you can kind of get by. Yeah, but here it. it's, you know, hey, the, the credit card's coming after you. I mean. Just to lease this building, Rob and I are on the hook personally. <laughs> so the business yeah. leases the building, but we had to sign personal guarantees that say, yeah. you know, let's say the business goes under next year. We still have to pay for that full five-year lease yeah. term. I mean, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's, it, I, I hear stories, you know. My family's been here 
like a probably another generation before yours. My mother was born in Sicily and she came over here. Um, I'm not sure what year, probably like in the, either the late twenties or early thirties. And she was the oldest and my aunts, other aunts and uncles were all born here. Um, but like, you know, one of my uncles started selling fruit out of a cart, you know, and he wound up having like a bus company. You know, this is how yeah the hustle that as Jeff was explaining, the the ability to do that isn't the same. You know, we talk about this all the time because of our age difference, how much easier it was years ago to to just get things going. You know, yeah. like even me, um, being like thirty years old, like I started with a sign in my front yard. I love that. You know, that's, <laughs> you can't do it anymore. Well, you got the internet to help now. Yeah. I would say that's, that's where, I mean, that's the way you have to go. Um, I mean, my dad would always tell me stories. Yeah. He would just but startup costs are oh, so it's prohibitive. It's, you can't, you can't, you, you, you need to have at least ten to $20,000 on hand mm-hmm. just to be a small business. And I feel like this business, you need even more than that. Yeah. You know, like, and if you don't, own the property like you guys are saying that it just makes it so much harder yeah um it's just the reality of today's marketplace you know it's um it's stratifying at an alarming rate and you know people like us where where are we gonna go exactly i mean i i mean i was very fortunate to be kind of handed the keys to the cadillac and Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to mess uh don't drive it off the road i'm trying not to (laughs) i mean we stay in our lane um we only do upholstery um we used to do caning we used to do drapery work but we just don't do that anymore um we don't have the the personnel um a lot of people just went back to their countries they're like screw this i'm not gonna pay you know a month of rent what i'd be paying for a couple years there in their countries in dr or andorra's which I totally get. I would do the same thing. I would go back to my country and live like a king if I could. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's uh, it's interesting. Every, it, those streets are paved with gold, you know. I mean, that was the message that, uh, you know, my family got as well coming over here. But the situation that they're leaving is, is worse. No, of course. Yeah. So um, they have to come and take it. Exactly. Um, it's... Uh, like like we said, just uh, everything's expensive as hell here. Yeah, unfortunately, and uh, only getting more expensive. I always try to tell people that I'm like one of my favorite phrases for the business in the past five years has been, "I'm not Amazon." Like mm-hmm. I am not freaking Amazon. Yeah, like I got customers coming in, and they're like, "Oh, I have this chair. It needs to be done by the end of the week." I'm like, "Okay, you got the fabric, you know, no." What the hell are we going to do then? Uh, it's going to take us two weeks to get the fabric. Isn't it so crazy? I mean, I was traumatized by COVID. Uh, I can only imagine your supply chain issues. Yeah. We couldn't get slides for like eight months. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Nobody wanted us in their houses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was. Some customers were just really not great, to be honest. And, like, I was okay with losing them. Like, because... Mm-hmm. My father, like I said before, is a cancer survivor. And, uh, you know, we went through it with him. 
So I waited a little bit until everything was right. But I mean, I think we, we closed from mid-March to maybe mid-June. So that wasn't too bad. And I feel like we opened up relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, when we opened up, I mean, it was just a floodgate. People were uh, waiting. Like, it was, I mean, I've never, I heard this from every person. Like, I'm sitting on my couch. That's all I'm doing. And I hate it. And it's old and it needs to be, and it was great. Yep. I mean, I think I was backed up like six to eight months. That's wonderful. I mean, it, I've never experienced something like that before in my life. It was great. Um, we've, thankfully, <laughs> we've, uh, we've always been busy, you know, um, uh, just like you guys kind of ebbs and flows into some of the, you know, some of the crazier stuff. But, you know, usually we have a couple months of work on hand, which is great. You know, I sleep well. Um, how much of the business is repairs? How much of it is built from scratch? Uh, kind of all depends. I would say like banquet builds, maybe like three to five a year, depending like different sizes and everything. I mean, we've built three with you in the past, like in in one year's time, I would say. Um, I would say we do a lot of residential, probably like 25% residential, a good 50, well, no, I should, I should say like another, maybe like 50% commercial stuff. And then probably like another 25% like mid-century modern. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of work for... Uh, the guys down at Lenoba mm-hmm. Design um, in Jersey City, and they're, they just got such wonderful stuff, teak, rosewood, yeah, everything in between. Yeah, I think we've mentioned them before. If we haven't, um, Lenoba Design, right? Yeah. Was, yeah, so like... Lars and David. Yeah, they're... Um, uh, not Dutch. Danish. I always, Danish. I always get this wrong. They're, uh, they are Danish, right? Lars is Danish okay. and uh, David's from, I think, Chicago. But anyway, they, so they, they go overseas and buy up like whole shipping containers full of, um, they're not in shipping containers, but they buy all this furniture and put them in shipping containers, real mid-century Danish stuff, and send it back here and then recondition it and sell it. So if you've ever saw the show American Pickers on like uh, History mm-hmm. Channel, that's kind of what they do. They'll, they'll literally go into the people's houses and since Lars is from there, They'll actually, um, he has just family there already, mm-hmm. so they'll actually just go in and start picking. But uh, Lars and David will both go, you know, together separate a couple times a year and just start picking and picking. And it sounds so cool. I know. Right? It's crazy. Hey, what's the process? Like, my, my couch is all pooped out. I mean, I want to get it reupholstered. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jim, what? Wayfair.com yeah. slash. <laughs> well, that's, that's a big first step. It's, you know, is it a good couch? Where'd you get it? Yeah. You know, and some people don't like they don't that question. They don't like to hear it. No. But especially if it's their quote unquote heirloom. Mechanism. Yeah. It's granny's furniture. We get that too, but. You know, you gotta, you gotta this t- is a lane. Oh boy. You know, you got to tell them the price is the price. But, uh, you know, when someone's telling me they got it from Bob's or Wayfair, I'm just mm-hmm. like, just throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> let's, say, let's say it came from Bassett or something. Okay, yeah, no, Bassett's great. I mean, as long as it has good bones, mm-hmm. you know, what you're really looking for is you want that North Carolina furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like for the U.S., that's like the mecca. 
When we uh, look at the building. auction websites, like yeah. where you buy used woodworking machinery, it's yeah. like they're all shutting down. No way. Almost all mm-hmm. the auctions are Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a couple of pollsters in North Carolina that I follow on Instagram, and uh, they seem to be like the getting's good down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's just that's that's like where you want to be as an upholsterer. I, I don't know if the money's there. I mean, like then it is live, here. Then you got to live in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I need that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what? Can I text you pictures? Yeah, and that's so, how it goes. So usually it's like email. Yeah. I can't stand when people text me pictures. I'm just like, it's gonna get lost. <laughs> you know, it's it's literally it's my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like, and people don't realize that they think it's like I, I don't know. Maybe people think it's this big company that it isn't. Like, I try not to tell like bigger companies that we work with how small like we are. <laughs> That's like us. We're like, yeah, we'll just step on you and and not pay you. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we'll hire you and then not pay you if we know that you're this small. I don't know how many times Jeff has told people, no, this is it. This is the whole company. Yeah, we were in Vegas at KBIS, which is like Kitchen and Bath Industry Show or whatever. Okay, and you know, so all the big uh, cabinetry companies and hardware companies, and there's like a Ford thing, and they have all these trucks. You know, so we were looking. He goes, "Oh, how big's your fleet?" Oh, <laughs> like uh, zero. <laughs> Everybody always asks, "Like, are you who's gonna the people that are coming to pick it up?" You know, I'm like, "You're looking at them." You know, like, <laughs> what the hell do you think this is? I was struggling a couple of weeks ago, um, going up. I mean, if you've, if you've ever been to Hoboken or Jersey City, mm-hmm. these old historic buildings. Oh, with these we've we've Derek furniture up there. Ooh, yeah. And Just the front steps are brutal. Oh, yeah. And then you get in and it's like, oh, how am I going to get past this slant in the uh, in the stairs? And you just, you make it work, but, you know, it's you doing it. Like, people see maybe the Instagram and, like, all the, you know, the glamorous stuff that we post after. But just like you guys, you know, your yeah. blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Um, but usually email, um, pictures, brief description, anything you'd want us to know. Budget. But, yeah. well, not really. <laughs> the one thing, oh, I just didn't say the one thing, but one one thing or one, I guess one pet peeve that I have is when people will call me and they're like, well, what's the price? And I'm yeah. like, what, what are you talking about? They're like, well, how, my chair or my sofa, what's the price? And I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? You know, a chair and a sofa, how am I going to, you know, everything's different. Yeah. You know, I need to see a picture. Oh, yeah. no, but you, you've got a price. No, it's like I have to sit down with this information and figure out what the price like, is. There's labor, Time there's yardage. Materials. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, how many cushions on it? And, like, people are, like, taken aback by, like, the cost of, like, cushions per se and don't realize how much it costs. Mm-hmm. Like, for me to get you a slipcover made for your sofa is probably mm-hmm. going to be a couple hundred dollars cheaper maybe than an uh, actual reupholstery job. Just because it takes so much time to actually sew, sewing in the upholstery game takes the most amount of work. So, got to put in all those little beads around everything. Well, yeah. So we overlock everything, which um, it it basically just like shores up and makes sure it's not going to fray. So you're basically mm-hmm. sewing it twice. So we overlock it and then we sew it again on the sewing machines. We've got two singers that are over 100 years old, and then we have uh, Juki that's probably, like, 60 years old. So our Juki we use for our heavy leathers, like uh, our mohairs. 
That's what the guy that makes the aprons that we wear, he's got a juki. He got a, if you don't like, I remember, uh, what was it? Maybe six months ago, you sent me a, uh, uh, a video of a guy, I think, uh, through a quarter. uh, Yeah. And my heart, man, you you know, like that's something you don't see in the industry. You know, I can't imagine. That's crazy. My mom had a couple of singers like with the, the, Cast iron treadle oh, yeah. at the bottom with the like web yeah. That thing, yeah. That's the best. They, you know, they don't make uh, them like they used to. That's black why. cast iron t- machines. In every upholstery shop, you'll find one of those still. Yeah. And uh, that's another that's another dying trade. Having um, uh, people coming to actually fix the machines. Yeah. Oh man, like I I got this one guy from Ecuador, and gotta be like eighty or seventy five <laughs> years old. He's still spry as all hell, but he's here six months of the year, and, like, you get him when you get him, and if not, yeah. you got to go through other people, and it's just, ugh, it's a headache. Like I said, I've kind of, you know, I just stay in my lane. I've narrowed what we, you know, we, we do. Like, my dad used to do caning and drapery, and that's something we don't do. We don't do car upholstery either. Mechanisms, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to get involved in that. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but... You know, any furniture you want to reupholster, you know, we'll take care of it. It's been uh, it's been an interesting ride the last five years, especially watching from, I guess, uh, the back seat. You know, I've been in this you know business my whole life. Uh, you know, I was doing Houlihan's restaurant. Shout out to them if you know the uh, little American. You know, restaurant franchise, but uh, we've been doing work with them for about 40 years now. Uh, and I would go with my dad when I'm 12 years old doing banquets. That's you know? crazy. So that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Some of the stories you've posted of like the stuff that's underneath of the oh. banquets. Oh, man. Oh. It's, <laughs> A fork uh, from six years ago. It's crazy. Like, I don't understand how some people like sit on some of the furniture that we reupholster because, I mean, it's just sand. And yeah, people are just sitting on it, eating, you know, dinner and everything. And they're like, oh, you know, we reupholstered these about 15 years ago. I'm like, are you sure it's 15? You mean 50? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. We might have a gig for you. All right. I got, we got, I got to get down to um, the church. You know, we built this altar rail and there's the kneelers. But the way we did it was they're rimmed in oak and hardwood and people are sort of complaining that. Their shin bone tough. is hitting the yeah. the wood, so yeah. we're gonna take out the the padding and stuff that we did, and we're gonna see if we could talk uh, Father Allen to laying on like yeah. separate cushions with Velcro oh, yeah. on the bottom. That way, if they get dirty, they can take them off and wash them. You know, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. I mean, the technology in fabric has been so insane um, since my father's left the business. I mean. Like I said, I was watching from like a backseat kind of in my 20s after I got back from college. I started working or I did start working with my parents for a good three years before I got into teaching. Um, And that kind of taught me how to run the business. Mm -hmm. So I was seeing those fabrics, seeing all just how everything ran and calling those distributors and, you know, making those connections. Um, Most of those connections are gone by now, which is crazy. (laughs) um but yeah i mean just fabric wise i mean there's so many fabrics that you can get um machine washable now and that's something that was like very 
uh, exclusive to like a sombrella, like an indoor outdoor oh, fabric. Yeah. So there's this one that we carry called Supreme, and it's pee proof. Ah, so it was made. That's great for pets. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a great selling point for pets as well as just assisted living homes. Mm, um, kids. Yeah, exactly. So it's been a great seller. Um, we, it seems like they're getting bigger. I see a lot more fabric distributors um, carrying them now. Mm-hmm. Um, but fabric pricing has gone through the roof. Um, I kind of, you know, when I give an estimate, it's uh, if, if someone doesn't have their fabric, I'll just give that standard $50 a yard, mm-hmm. you know, anything in my fabric books. I've, if you've been in the shop, obviously like you guys have, you've seen hundreds of them <laughs> on the wall and, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's kind of like organized chaos because it's good one day. And then a customer will come in and spend like an ungodly amount of hours looking at everything and, you know, go crazy. But I usually try to just, your customers towards a couple different books and say, don't drive yourself nuts. But Mm -hmm. um, like I said, a lot of uh, fabric companies have now geared towards like performance lines. I'm sure you've heard of that. Like just Krypton is like the standard. Yeah. I think that's what Krypton was the original. Oh yeah. I think the fabric that he's looking for is an architects. Yeah. um, To match the views. Architects is good. They're, uh, they're very commercial. Heavy. That um, banquette that you did the cushions for us, that brown, yeah, and then some uh, pillows. That was architect. That's there the foam. Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember you had you had a foam company too. Yeah, I forget who that was. I'm still. I'm trying to find a uh, a latex foam distributor. Hmm. The hardest thing to find because really? we do have. So just as the industries change with the fabric kind of advancing and the stain resistant used to. You know, put on a gas mask and you're spraying Scotch Guard. Oh, God. You know? So we still, you know, we do that sometimes. At the end of the day or on a Saturday, we'll spray what we need to spray and everybody get the heck out. But, you know, I try not to do that. It doesn't seem very healthy, obviously, yeah. um, especially with all this stuff going on with 3M, like all their stuff getting uh, uh, just basically them saying about the carcinogens and everything mm-hmm. in their... Uh, that's what, to keep sprays. the water from soaking into yeah, it's the... A, it's a water... Well, technically, there was an issue, like, my dad told me, like, 20, 30 years ago with um, uh, the spray, Scotch Guard, and then they, like, took something out and made it more, like, of a water-based spray. Mm. But they Less of a killer? Yeah. <laughs> CF, CFCs, probably. I'm sure they're still the same stuff. I mean, I'm a little concerned when I... Uh, when I see the uh, the rolls I get um, for like vinyls and fabrics and like all the vinyl ones say may cause cancer and I'm just like, oh great. Well, so. yeah, it's like we're here unwrapping these doors and yeah. you're just hit with this off gassing of yes. the the finish that they use, you know, conversion varnish or whatever it is. That's like the one thing I can't like. My dad wasn't very conscious of, I think, and I'm trying to be more conscious about that in our in our shop. And like you've seen, it's not so big. Um, so that's, that's kind of a tough thing sometimes to, uh, juggle with. Yeah. Cause a lot of the foams and everything must off gas like Probably. crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you just, you can smell it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's a little, hopefully I'm okay. Yeah. Robert well, making me concerned. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where if you don't think about it now, you know, it's the kind of thing that'll catch up to you in 30 years from now. No, you of know? course. You know, we um, got dust and noise and, you know, well, 
think just the construction in my area is going to kill me with all that dust. I was going to say that before, like, man, just the congestion from the construction alone is insane. I try to keep my doors closed because it's just like, you just, after a while, you just can't take it. It's just like a haze. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're just getting all that, like, construction debris and dust in. Like, it's everywhere you look. I mean, there's a two-story building across the street they tore down that they're waiting for the courthouse to finish, and they're going to put, I think, a 30-something-story building there. And it's like, what? That's crazy. Holy moly, so... That's what I want to do, put a 30-story building on my property. Yeah? yeah I don't think Middletown allows 30 stories. <laughs> I don't know. We could go halvesies if you uh, yeah. got a little treasure trove. Yes. Yeah, so when are you going to sell the shop and move out to the country? Oh, Have man. a big, big, wide-open shop. Oh, I can't wait. I, uh, I think I'm going to be waiting a couple more years for that. But, uh, yeah, super grateful for, you know, the work that my dad put in. I would say that's the golden goose that, mm-hmm. like, he was able to kind of link onto or catch because you know my parents weren't well off you know i remember growing up you know the upholstery game wasn't this niche industry that it is now yeah there was no he was one of a hundred exactly like just on that surrounding area there was five or six upholsters you know and one of them was my great uncle so It's it's really insane how the industry has changed and become more of a niche thing. Um, I would say, I mean, I, people are like addicted to the Instagram. It's like yeah. HGTV for them. And oh, yeah. I, I have a client who works for ESPN and she's trying to get us uh, in talks with a producer for uh, an HGTV, like whatever, like nice. just to have a talk. And I'm like, hey, yeah. that'd be great. I'll take that. I'll take you guys with me on the ride. Yeah. There you go. Thank we you. uh we were we were under a uh what, what was that thing called? It's um something non compete. No, uh oh an ND a shopping shopping agreement. Something okay. like that. Uh ourselves and Jacqueline. We were being shopped for a show. Oh no way. So we weren't allowed to talk about it for a year, but it's expired. So I guess the show's not happening. Damn. What was that gonna be on? <laughs> Uh, one of those channels. Yeah. They never got that. You know, it was like yeah. a company who was trying to develop a show to pitch to a network. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. had the pitch, but they didn't have the resources. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that would have been neat. They were well, like, yeah, we we're like, go with this real like Jersey thing. I'm like, eh, <laughs> I don't know like how well that's going to. Yeah. Would it set you guys up for uh, a lot of success? I mean, that's. Uh, maybe. You, you yeah. just need that one. Or just made us look like assholes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> But you just need that one little hook, yeah, and that yeah. will get you all those clients. Yeah, in the Hamptons or wherever else you want them. Any publicity is good publicity. Seriously, I uh, I would love to get in like you know a paper or something. I'm hoping the social media kind of builds it up a little bit because mm-hmm. we do have such like a neat history in the community and are like a staple. Yeah, and a diamond in the rough. Like I said, no one knows we're there, um, but it's neat. I mean, the whole process. Getting back to that. It takes, you know, it takes some time. Like if, say, Rob's got his family heirloom that he wants to get uh, upholstered, you know, you start the process sending pictures. You yeah. make an appointment. You come in. Okay, that's one week. When you come and pick it up? Well, so then I'd ask for a deposit, you know, because we got to mm-hmm. order the material. So I try not to have the 
you know, the sofa in my shop for too long, obviously, because where am I going to put it? Oh, yeah. Juggling yeah. it on we don't, my head. We're not a storage unit. Yeah, that's nope. it. That's it. We're you storing know? something right now. We've been storing it for, <laughs> I don't even know how long. Six months go, Isn't going that crazy? on another season. And they were like, we're going to start showing the lobby in two weeks. And that was. That was months ago. Ten weeks ago. That is mind-blowing. Like, <laughs> they're leaving, like, you know, I hope you got a deposit, number one. Oh, uh, we, I, we had a, I had them pass in full up front. Oh, there you go. I'm okay. like, yeah, you're a little bit sketchy. Well, what did they tell you like in the beginning? The, oh, we need this ASAP. Really? Yeah. yeah. And then they just dragged their feet. Yeah. It was the same people with the sectional okay. who then, you know, disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had the gumption to email on like a Wednesday and they're like, can you deliver it on Friday? Wow. I'm like, no. no. I'm like, the soonest we can deliver it is. Uh, whatever. I forget. It was like right before Fourth of July, and then they're like, "Wait, are we even ready for it?" Because I'm in like a thread email with some other people, and they're like, "We're not even ready for it." And I haven't heard from them in two weeks. Another two weeks now. I'm sure in like a month or two, you're gonna hear, "Oh, can you have? Can we have this by the end of the week?" I mean, it's that's what I can't stand about people. And like, I I by posting a lot of the stories that I post, I'm hoping that more people see like, hey. This takes a hell of a lot of time. Yeah. Like, thank God I have three people right now working in the shop. They're working their butts off and it's just, it's time consuming. It's, you know, it's hard work, you know, especially with old wood furniture. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, it's, it's tough taking it apart. It's funny that a lot of people will come in and say, but wait, I'm going to save some money. I'm going to take apart the whole piece. Yeah. And then, uh. You know, then that's going to make it cheaper, right? Like, no. What did you, you, know, you save me? You saved me a couple hours of work? Like, get out of here, man. Plus, like, you want to see how it went together, yeah. too, sometimes, right? Well, especially on tough pieces. I mean, we work with all types of materials, mohairs, leathers, silks, you know, anything. Um, and we could tough, channel. We can make whatever you want. Um, but, you know, the, it's, I don't know, people... People are have ideas of what they think you can do and can't do in that like short period of time. Mm-hmm. So that kind of always annoys me. But um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's very interesting to um, get someone into the space and show them kind of how the industry works and how everything works. And like, no, we don't just take a sofa. And like pick it up and hold it for two weeks, and it like we're working on it that two weeks. We kind of do everything like an assembly line. Yeah, you know, I have we have someone taking apart stuff, and that moves into the next line, which is cutting. That moves into the next line, which is sewing. That moves into the upholstering side of it. So it's all just one calculated yeah. move. Mm-hmm. That's a schedule that keeps moving. So, and some people are Jim. As long as you want. And that's great. That's what you want to hear because, like, yeah. that's the people you can say, okay, they're giving me the time and the space. Because for me, like, a sofa can take, you know, anywhere from like 30 to like 40 hours. Yeah. And people are like, what the hell? How? Why? I'm like, well, you got cushions, you got to sew. You know, that's quite a few hours of work right there. If there's six cushions, that's 20 hours, 30 hours, like 20 to 25 hours. Isn't that insane? Well, I mean, people are, uh, it's, you're dealing with the same stuff that we're dealing with as far as pricing and people understanding the difference between qualities and availability. And, you know, 
I can get this whole uh, bedroom set at, at Bob's for twelve ninety nine. How could that be? How could you want three thousand dollars to? And I'm just shooting out a number. I mean, oh, no, yeah. to like uh, for one well, to, for a side table. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's so insane, right? Like, but people don't understand that. That's like you took that time, and they don't know that. They just know the finished product. That's why I'm like, okay, the Instagram kind of puts on a story that you can see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to start a TikTok. You guys have one, right? I just started one uh, about a week ago. How's that going? We got like almost 2,500 followers. Okay. Yeah. So you got some people on there. Yeah. And it good for business? Um, well, what I'm, I'm trying to get the TikTok monetized, which you got to get to 10,000. Okay. Then you can start getting paid by TikTok. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, just a little, fun, a little fun money. I'm telling you, I got to get on TikTok. And then there's threads now. Yeah. I think threads is kind of... Not going to work. I did it just because, you know, you got to stay ahead of the curve, I guess. But it's, Is that the uh, metaverse? Threads? Mm-hmm. Threads is like Twitter, but it's run by meta. Okay. Because like, Twitter's kind of going off the rails. I think for, yeah, for me, I think uh, Instagram is just a very nice, comfortable spot for our industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just... What we a, do is so visual. Yeah. It's all aesthetically pleasing. Like, I mean, when I'm watching your guys' videos, I'm just like, wow, like, this is so intense. Like, and to see the finished product, it's very satisfying. You know, it's, uh, it's very neat. You never kind of know what's, what's coming. It reminds me of like this old house. Yeah. We got a new YouTube channel dropping soon. Oh yeah. With our buddy, John, who was just here. Um, we're trying to think of names. So anybody who's listening, you know, John Peters and, um, uh, sort of announced it in the last video that John put out which came out on Sunday. Um, but we're going to start like a joint channel with an emphasis on like teaching, you know, do some like uh, class classes and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not selling this very well. Do some instructional type stuff, um, you know, where you could have like a video and plans and stuff like that. So have you guys ever been uh, contacted about teaching classes? Uh, some people have mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. I would definitely say I've been contacted probably once a week for the last three years. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. Like just people will DM me on Instagram or just call us and be like, Hey, you know, I want to learn, but you know, putting in that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's gotta like, be after hours. It's exactly. It's then so you got much. a bunch of work in the shop. You know exactly, yeah. and I like, go around that sofa, but be don't touch it. I had, I had. No, you can't eat in here. I had, uh, I had this kid's mom come in. He was, I guess, he was sixteen, I think, and he wanted to do some, like, I guess, some hands-on internship with, you know, a creative workshop. And I'm just like, man, what if this kid cuts his finger off? Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, you're going to have to pay me because yeah. I'm going to have to watch you. I'm going to have to explain to you how to do things. I mean, I'm just terrified, like liability factor. Yeah, and I had a couple of kids through my time period because there was a there was a certain amount of time where I was like about a year out okay. and I couldn't do the work by myself. And I was losing my I had two ki- two brothers for like 10 years. Oh, no way. Yeah, so then I was like, how do I replace these kids? And it was impossible. It was impossible. And my favorite story was I found one great kid. Uh, he, and at the end of the first day, 
He said, Mr. Barone, do you work this hard every day? <laughs> like this was an easy day. <laughs> I can't tell you how many kids I've been through. All they do is they look at their phones and like they think, you know, oh, this is too hard. Like yeah. I, I, That's the point. It yeah. being hard is the point. Literally. That's why everybody doesn't do it. Seriously. Yeah. I I don't I went to an upholstery meetup. Um Shout out to the National uh, Upholstery Association. They uh, just started in uh, 2019, so fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have meetups and workshops and everything. So I attended one at this upholstery shop called Stitch Room Upholstery. Um, I think I got that right, or Stitch Work, um, in the Brooklyn Navy Yards. And, you know, uh, Robert, that uh, my employee, is just like, Oh, you know, uh, there's probably going to be like 50 people there. And I'm like thinking like scratching my head, uh, you know, it's a national union thing, but how many people can there possibly be? I was 30 minutes late. I was the first person there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think uh, there was one interior designer who came. There was an upholsterer who was delivering something. From, uh, she was from Philly delivering something to Greenpoint. And then there was one other upholsterer from Queens and two woodworkers from like the Brooklyn and Long Island city area. But I mean, there's nobody. Um, There is a lot of gypsy upholstery guys though, as my father used to call them. Um, Pickup truck guys. Yeah, pretty much like, you know, they would go, I don't know, my, I guess some of the hands throughout the years, like, like they've, had enough of my father and his prices, you know, <laughs> and quality. I'm telling you, damn him and his quality. So, you know, like Getting rich, you'd, you'd get yeah. a call like a year after or like six months after. And they'd be like, you know, Jim, they came in with, you know, no shirt on yeah. flip flops. smoking, and, Yeah. And they take the banquet out with them. Like we do to the all, parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, and like they would say that they would not return them. Like we do a lot of banquet, uh, excuse me, restaurant banquets, and uh, like just doctors' offices, physical therapy tables, and stuff like that. So we try to be very uh, time sensitive with that. We'll yeah. try to take stuff um, like the day of, and then return it later that day. Um, you know, it's funny. Like some doctors, like I have to pay this much for what, and I'm like, you know, I'm coming to you with final samples. I'm then coming back a different time. To pick up said piece. It's then, like, dude, you just charged me seven hundred dollars for an Advil. <laughs> yeah, right. It's pretty crazy, right? And like, like the people don't understand that. And then you got to come back and install. And for me, I like to block off that whole day. Oh yeah. If we're doing like something like that, yeah. And we, it's like three, four people are working on this thing, and mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you don't see the before and after. Like you, tr- hey, you can close the doctor's office for two days. How's That's that it. Sound? Yeah. So it's funny. You'll you'll hear that all the time. Like, oh, can you just do it like overnight because like, yeah, we we don't sleep we charge two and a half times for yeah. overnight yeah. work sometimes we'd go and do like overnight restaurants we did uh a restaurant i think we didn't have to go overnight but we were just there like multiple mornings at like 5 a.m um called the milburn standard it's a steakhouse in um milburn short hills area. really really nice they worked at Houston's in the front off front of the house and the back of the house. And we did all the work for Houston's for like the last 20, 30 years. If you know, Houston's it's a very fine dining, like franchise steakhouse. Like they, all their leathers are from Italy. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're very, 
you know, you know, just uh, meticulous about like the the stuff they use and stuff. And it was always great. My dad would make friends with the uh, the GMs or the back of the house, and uh, we just get racks and racks of ribs and steaks. Oh, I remember and you telling me about it. It was great. And uh, we do one of the ones in Long Island by Lake Jones Beach. And my parents are a uh, partner deal. They have two Westies that follow them everywhere. They were the shop dogs. By shop dogs, I mean they would just lay on the furniture all the time. These guys are spoiled, eating better than all three of us. <laughs> um, so my uh, my parents put the spare ribs, four racks in the car. Oh, jeez. Each rack was, you know, like some ungodly price. You know, these take 20, 24 hours to make. They started the day before. Wow. Dogs ate half them. Oh, God. Yeah. That's like one time my wife made a pound of chicken cutlets and left them up on the table, and old Zuma got up there and ate them. I forgot all about Zuma. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I mean, that, like... I, in a shop like this, it's not the best space for, like, a dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how my parents did it. You know, like, they just always bring their dogs every day. For me, I, I, I'm i married to the business already. I don't need that extra headache. <laughs> yeah, more responsibility. I thought a shop cat would be cool. But then, like, you got to have a litter box. And then, you know, we open the doors. The cat's going to yeah. go yeah, run away. don't want to get hit. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. My sister's this crazy cat woman. She's a she's got a cool story. She's a tea sommelier, mm-hmm. and uh, she was in Baccarat in the city, and she just came back. She was in uh, the restaurant Tiffany's. The Michelin star chef uh, hired her out from. Uh, she's in the Bay Area for like three or four months, which was really cool. So um, I think she's got a cooler story than the upholstery thing, but. Um, out of the, that yeah, depends on the audience. Yeah. Tea Somalia. Yeah, I, I like say, that. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is a tea Somalia? You know, like I, I put yeah. it together. Yeah. Is, well. there, is there a name, like a specific name for that? Like a, I know like a beer Somalia is like a Cicero. Okay. No, oh, I, I didn't think know she, that. I didn't know yeah. that either. I was just going to say a beer connoisseur. She's got to come up with something. Yeah, yeah. So she just started this whole thing by herself. Um, my family, like I said, were English and Arabic, so they loved their teas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of them. Um, exactly. Well, they, yeah, the English were sort of looting. Yeah. <laughs> so off the backs, but she's she's got a cool story. Uh, she's at the tea lady on uh, Instagram, but uh, she uh, she just uh, she pairs teas with wines. Mm. You know, uh, uh, she makes her soaps and everything. She's traveled all over Scotland. UK, uh, Japan, Korea, wow. China, meeting with farmers and stuff, and yeah, all the big tea classes. spots. Yeah, she uh, India. Yeah, uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I I know she consults with uh, a company from India, but you know she used to work in the Baccarat, which is a very prestigious hotel in the city, and she'd be like telling me teas are a thousand dollars a pound, and you know I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, it's high tea with her. That was she, uh, Anthony Bourdain, John hmm. Hamm, wow. Shaquille O'Neal, like all the big timers. So she's that's cool. Yeah, we got a family of entrepreneurs. I got a sister yeah. who's got a boutique shop in uh, Northern California as well. What city up there? Petaluma. Oh yeah, that's a nice place. Yeah, so she loves it. I mean, I'm envious of where my other sister lives. She's in Sausalito. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I try to get out there as much as possible. Um, and just, I mean, I love, I'm an adventure guy. I love to. Yeah. Sausalito is one of the premier spots. It's, it's 
on the bay north of San Francisco. So if you go over the Golden Gate Bridge down towards the right, that's Sausalito. You're literally overlooking like the Golden State Bridge as wow. you're like on the mountain, like this vegetative mountain. Yeah, it's, it's spectacular. Sweet. Yeah. So excited to have that plug out there. And then my other sister has been in, she's, so she just moved out there a couple of years ago. And then this, my other sister in Petaluma has been out there for yeah. 30 years now. She's um, probably seen that area change because it used yeah. to be real like country yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It's very boutique now. Yeah. Like very, uh, what kind niche-y. of shop does she have? Uh, she has a, uh, just a boutique, you know, she's got like, like clothes. Uh, clothes, leather hides, uh, statues, like dinosaur statues. It kind of fits her personality. She's at Sweet Melissa's. She doesn't really have a big following. But uh, she's she's always had um, shops up and down, like, northern California. Um, And she's opened this one, like, two years ago. So it's pretty neat. Sweet Melissa. Sweet Melissa's, yeah. yeah, She's quite the the person. So she's, (laughs) yeah. Just I meant the name Sweet Melissa's really does her justice. Is that her actual name? No, it's Melissa, but she's well. uh, Isn't that a tune? Sweet Melissa, I can't Uh wait to. Oh wait, it it could be. I'm pretty sure that's a song. No, that's Meet Virginia. I don't know. I don't. I plugged that into. That was like a big hit song in like the early 2000s. Is that an Allman Brothers song? It could be. She's very into that. I can't wait to. I don't know my classic rock. Or classic, I don't know. Is it oh, classic? Is that a bad it's, thing uh, to say M- now? Melissa is an Allman Brothers song. It's uh, no sweet. There oh, we go. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was on Guitar Hero. Uh, you want to take some questions? We got a couple yeah, questions. Let's do questions. I can't believe anybody actually gave you a few. Okay. <laughs> let's see. I took a screenshot. What the hell is a pole street? <laughs> How much to reupholster this? My (laughs) cat bed. Well, you know what a lot of upholsters do? Just to get a little sneak of what other upholsters charge, you just call up another Mm -hmm. upholster. Hey, how much are you charging? Oh, well, you know, know, give me a guesstimate. Or you just send them a random couch that kind of looks like the same. If that's what you do when you Mm want to know what the industry is charging in the area. To gauge. But you hear some crazy, crazy numbers. I mean, obviously in the city. I mean, people are paying five, six, seven thousand dollars to upholster a couch, and you know, I'm I'm over here holding my breath, like holy crap. Um, my dad five years ago was charging basically a thousand bucks. What? To charge, yeah, to, yeah, to wow. pre upholster a sofa. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? I'm gonna bring mine in. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you can call him up. I'll give him your number. But uh, do house calls. It's, it's just how much the industry changed. And what I was gonna say before to tie into that was, oh my god, you know, when we didn't have work, my dad would literally be like hustling, going to like hotels, whatever. Like, hey, I'm an upholsterer. Here's some of my work, and he'd bring like a photo book with him. Uh, I had one of those books yeah. that I put you together. But thank God for Instagram now, and yes. you don't need to schlep to everybody's place. To yeah. Them that price anymore it's here's the price you know you want to okay i'll be there and pick it up and that's it mm-hmm. so that's that's definitely a good thing and you know just imagine you're bringing all these sample books mm-hmm. so it's just a real pain in the butt so technology's definitely helped yeah but just made fabric has just gone through the roof um during covid like foam went through the roof it went up like 100 percent. i want to say that's a lot it was insane most of that stuff's all imported i'm guessing yeah yeah and then the couple factories that are actually here um, they kept getting shut down with COVID and it'd be like two weeks to start up. And these are massive factories 
and it would just take so much time. And once one would start up, then the other would get COVID, yep. and it would just keep happening. Yeah, it was like all meat, uh, all that stuff was like that. Um, all right, here we go. We got a couple. Corey sent in four questions. Uh, sorry, three. Uh, what are some of the common tools that you use? Uh, so, obviously, a staple gun's a big one. Just a nail remover, staple remover. Are those every, like T50 staples? Yeah, everybody had what T50. What would you say T50 is? Um, they're what? They're like seven sixteen yeah. or uh, three eighths round. That's oh, okay. The, that's the standard holster game. And they're eighteen gauge. So we use yeah. So we use uh, quarter inch, half inch, three three eighths, and then uh, uh, what am I thinking? Half inch. Yeah. There you go. That's like the biggest ones we really use. I have like the OD, like, you know, staple guy that, you know, will take your leg off, but <laughs> we don't really need yeah, that. Yeah, so you have like a, you have an Omer. One of them's an Omer. I yeah. Know that. Yeah. Those that's a good solid. gun. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, I don't know if you noticed it's a long nose. So you got the uh, long you can nose. reach in there. Yeah. So getting back to that question, there's like two, I mean, there's the major, the tools that I just said, every upholsterer has got their like favorite ones. Like the one guy that works for me part-time, he comes in and he'll have a backpack full of his tools and they'll lay them out perfectly. He's very meticulous. And like, I like that. He, oh, it's great. Like he's very, very clean, like cleans up everything. And that's one thing training today. Like kids, they just, Oh, there they must be cutoffs everywhere. It's terrible. It's, well, it's like here. I mean, you make a mess. Yeah. But you know, it's just clean up after for the next um, project. But no, you know, you have those, you know, the staple remover, your pliers, you know, and everybody has their favorite ones. Like my hammer at the shop, it's got to be like 50, I mean, not 50, maybe 40 years old, this old-ass rubber hammer that I've been using. We have this antique, like, uh, I guess, staple remover. It just has a wooden handle, like old, old, old school. Um, probably half the tools in the shop are from my grandfather. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty badass, right? You can't yeah. replace that stuff with with similar quality anymore it's hard yeah i had uh had this cool freaking like cotton puller that would like you know you'd put in the uh the the back cushion like that fluff Mm -hmm. and it just kind of plies it out and like just makes it aerated and it broke and i was i've been trying to fix it and then like kind of gets back but it's got some vicious teeth on it (laughs) inside it'll just kill you so yeah they just and it weighs probably like 120 pounds. Oh, jeez. It's got these wow. old school wheels on it. It's pretty neat. So it, 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 it's it's pretty cool. Um, but everybody's got their standard. Like there's, there's And then scissors. Oh, man. Yeah. Everybody's got their scissors. Like, every, you know, everybody has their, they're just, I don't know. Every, and everybody's like, it's like butthurt about like using other people's tools. They're like, <laughs> these are my tools. Like, it's my name on it. That's like my wife is yeah. a, a hairdresser. Yeah. And like, I, you know, they'll like occasionally like share like blow dryers and stuff like that. But the scissors, I don't think the scissors like change uh, hands. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like a kitchen uh, chef's knives. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's his pride and joy. That's his toolkit that he's bringing to work like a butcher. Like yeah. chisels and planes and yeah. stuff. Like, you know, if I have a, a plane that Rob needs or vice versa, like we'll swap them off. But it's kind of like in another, another shop. Like where you, maybe you weren't so friendly with the people, like it would kind of be yeah. like off, like don't yeah. touch my shit. You know? Yeah, no, it is. It's true. I mean, I it's funny when the two my two masters, Robert and Jonathan, work together. They're they kind of like 
they keep to themselves. They want like their own tools, but like you kind of, you get to like a, uh, I don't know. You just have the feel with certain tools. Oh yeah. I always remember with, uh, I did a job with another upholsterer a couple of years ago and my dad is still running the business and he's like, how do you hold, like, we were having, like, just this discussion of how you hold the pliers and stuff. Mm. We're like, oh, you hold them like this. And he's like, oh, okay, you put your hand there, too. And I'm like, yeah, I put my finger this way. And, like, okay, you're doing it the right way. And there's, there's like, an art form to, like, you know, the technique. Oh, yeah. So you kind of, like, pick it up slowly. But everybody's got their yeah. own tools. That's part of the job is getting that comfortability with your tools and your... And knowing it. Yeah. yeah. Do you use pinking shoes at all? Not really. Uh, picking shoes. Those are small guys. No, those are the ones with the zigzag. Uh, no, I don't think we do actually. Uh, no. What What do you use to measure? Measure stuff. Yeah. Tape measure and rulers. That's really yeah. it. We got like you know you got your yard stick, which is big for us because everything's measured in yards. You lay it flat. Yeah, and then you know fifty four incher, and then I got like a seventy two incher, and that's basically it. That's all we really need. Mm. And we have the. Uh, What's the uh, L-shaped guy? T-square? Like T-square. We got one of those guys. What do you guys mark with? Chalk? Just chalk. Yeah, like Taylor chalk. Um, Is it like in like a pencil that you can like... Yeah, you could do that or I just have like... Remember regular, those little round... Yeah, I have like the round ones as yeah. well. Like kind of uh, whatever. Yeah, I've seen I just that. try to get whatever the hell everybody needs. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd rather have more than less because I'm sure we're going to use it. We're yeah. always kind of churning stuff out. Um what was I going to say? The one thing you cannot do marking wise, you're not supposed to use uh, any permanent marker or pen. That's like a no, no, because it bleeds through. Mm-hmm. So, but like, you'll get yelled at, like my father would yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't fuck. Up. So you need scissors, pliers, pliers, staple, staple gun. You need your nail remover and then you need your staple remover. That's really it. Right. And your hammer. And your measurement tools, layout tools. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So anybody could be an upholstery. And a sewing sewing machine. (laughs) I'm telling you. And a sewing machine. If you can sew, that's that's half of the game, honestly. I uh, we just uh, got a new hire. Name's Angelica. Shout shout you out. I'm sure you won't listen, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) You better listen, Angelica. Come on, I'm gonna put this on. I'm freaking the Bose speaker (laughs) for everybody to hear. But uh, no, she's great. She's a great team member. She wants to learn, and a lot of people don't want to Mm. and don't want to do stuff that they think is not in, not what they see as in their job. Like, she's taking apart stuff. She's like doing whatever. She's a seamstress, but she wants to learn. I have a lot of people who call me about learning. Like, I just had someone from Patterson. He's like in this artsy fartsy building with all these other art people. And he's like, hey, can I just come in and, like, you know, just watch you guys learn? And, like, you know, would you be willing to teach classes to come here? And I'm just like, you know, that's a whole process, man. We work 7 to 7. Someone's in the shop every day. And then 9 to 6. This is why we like you, Jim. Yeah. yeah. We're, like, 6, 6.30 to 4.30. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, so... Nobody kill me or whatever. I hope there's no wackos. But I live on top of the... The stores, so I literally, I'll do my paperwork in the morning. Then nine o'clock, I come down. Usually, unless there's a big forty-three foot long banquet waiting for me, <laughs> and I'll come down earlier. But usually, uh, Robert opens up the shop, gets the shop ready, and uh, I take care of all the non-exciting administrative 
administrative stuff. Um, yeah, it's the worst stuff. Oh. oh, it's terrible. I was doing my own books till uh, last two years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm like scratching my head. How the hell are my parents doing? Like the taxes? Everything. Like do, filing the actual taxes? Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Thank God. I'm, you know, I keep the books, but all the tax stuff is <sighs> well, just we got hand. No, nah, yeah, we got a you know, QuickBooks and everything now, but like everything was like check, you know, actual check, mm-hmm. you know, here's, here's your payment for the week. And like, I'd get paid like until I think a year and a half ago via a check. And I'm just like feeling like I'm in the 1920s over here. <laughs> <laughs> we still do checks, but, uh, we're not employed, you know, we're just taking an owner draw. So it's like, okay. we can't do like a payroll. Yeah. Um, well, it took, uh, me five years to set up the way I wanted to. And that's because I got one of those knock out of the park jobs that kind of saves your butt. Like I said, just owning the building makes life easier because what's your major overhead? It's right. It's yeah. like right. back in the old shop. Yeah. So life is good. You know, you just yeah. no overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, during the pandemic, oh my God, you know, like I lost all my commercial jobs. Those commercial jobs, those tech companies, restaurants, everything else, that was my. Some you know, big slice of the pie. And now that I'm thinking of it, it's, you know, commercial stuff's probably like 70% of our business. But uh, we we landed like a big uh, contract with the Hyatt Times Square. We did 50 couches for them. Thankfully, not at all at once. Obviously, you see the shop. Um, <laughs> it took us like, I think, eight months of wow. just like dancing. You know, that's how, you know, big and small we are. Plus... Not only that, but we were so busy just with residential because you're in the heart of COVID. So that really saved me and uh, made it possible for me to kind of get paid what I think I'm deserved mm-hmm. and like, you know, empower my employees. And like, I've been able to, you know, obviously pay it forward. And, you know, I want to be, I think, the teaching aspect and, you know, being or being a teacher and just um, also working for my parents. That kind of gave me that perspective that I needed to say, Hey, like, you know, this is how I wanted to be treated, you know, have empathy and be mindful of others, you know, and I'll tell you what, man, uh, that's a beautiful sentiment. Isn't it great? And not that many people actually act it out. Yeah. So, um, you know, my couple of my guys are from Mexico. So when they have, uh, parties, I'll go over and, you know, get a mariachi band or, in there and the bottle or 10 of tequila. <laughs> so it's always a good time, but you know, I'm, you know, I feel like family to them mm-hmm. and you know, they're, I'm grateful for them as much as they're grateful for me. So, you know, one hand washes the other and you, you gotta know, yeah. you know what you gotta just treat your employees like you want them to be treated. And like, if you have good employees, you want to make sure that they want to stay, you know, and they are the most valuable asset a small business can have. Seriously, especially in the industry like myself, you know, there's, I just don't have, like, I can do upholstery, I have uh, knowledge, but it's just like, where's the time, you know, (laughs) who's going to go pick up this stuff, who's going to answer the emails, who's going to do this, like, I'd like to have a life. When I first started doing this, it was uh, Roberto and myself, and I would be answering emails at 11 o'clock at night and saying, what the hell am I doing? This is why I'm not a teacher. Not it's like reading grading papers. the papers. Exactly. Then. Those history papers that you didn't want oh. to lead, read anymore. Oh, my gosh. They're miserable. Start correcting the English and the grammar and everything. It's like, no, no, no. This is yeah, going to Scantron. Enough. We've had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about 
Yeah, we had a <laughs> so, fun. So let's discussion. go to the next question. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, what is the most complex part of upholstery? Uh, complex, I would say just, you know, being able to get the precise measurements. Like, it's so hard to actually do upholstery. Like, it looks, I mean, I don't know if it looks easy to some people, but just like taking the time and being patient with yourself is is the biggest thing to become a poster like a an okay upholsterer it takes five years at least five years and that's to become an okay upholsterer and to just be able to get those measurements correct and not everything straight that's you know, you the have, thing exactly and it's a flexible material you know it's not like wood where it's like this this is eight and a half by 11 no matter what yep material you go like this now it's eight and a half by 12 yeah yep. so uh, with a lot of things, we'll we'll usually we'll we'll add about an inch to each side, going either uh, outer uh, side, but uh, like even foam, same thing. You need to do that, but just being able to measure, and then like the biggest complex part, like I said before, in actual doing upholstery is sewing. Like if you can sew, sewing tough thing, channeling. There you go. This is the the hardest things you can do. Mm. Um, it looks it too. Oh, it's terrible. So the one guy that I was talking about that cut off his finger, Jonathan, he can do it. Like, so it's a whole mathematical equation of getting the right just diameter that you want for the actual tuft. And he can do it with his eyes closed. Oh, God. Alan's that he's been doing it since, I think he said he was like 13, doing mm-hmm. tufting. Wow. So you're just, and it's, it's mind-blowing to see him do it. And he's like, Jim, I don't have a ruler. I don't have anything. I just, I see it and I do it. So oh, God. it's pretty intense. Like, I mean, I came into this business knowing the business, knowing how to run the business. And I knew I could be the face, you know, it's my father kind of groomed me to that, you know, only, only boy in the, you know, <laughs> so that, that definitely helped my thing out. And I don't think uh, either of my, or neither of my four sisters wanted to carry couches. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame them. A lot of, <laughs> honestly, you know who my dad would get? It would be all my friends. It would be, you know, I think maybe 10, 10 of my friends, maybe 15 have helped my parents back in the day. And like, these would be kids that would be working there. Like, you know, while I was in college working with my parents, they'd pick them up or whatever, schlep to Jersey city from Bergen <laughs> County. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was whoever we can get, you know, just any help was, you know, worthwhile help, mm-hmm. um, in, in that industry or in that time period especially my dad he was even smaller than us like it was just him and robert so pretty insane but we've made it work i mean just in that little shop and we're still continuing to make it work i mean i part of me would love to move but part of me would not want to because i love that whole mom and pop diamond in the rough feel like i feel like we're like a part of the community like we've existed there for 60 years and like People just, like, walk by on the street and be like, wow, this place has been here forever. Like, you guys are old as shit. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, it, it amazes me that I can kind of walk down the block and, you know, point out that this my great uncle's shop and this was my, you know, dad's and my grandfather's upholstery shop back in the day. There's, like, a white tiger um, on Newark Ave by Journal Square, like, a little further down where the Indian section is. 
and that used to say Jamal upholstery, and that was like a thirty. Wow. It was like a twenty by fifty foot, maybe thirty by fifty foot long, like thing that said Jamal upholstery. And then once, uh, when my dad, uh, my grandfather died, my dad had a, a marble engravement of my grandfather's name put into the one building that said Jake Jamal. Wow. So, wow. but yeah, it's pretty nuts. My uh, my uncle was the last one there, and he just uh, he just left the block. He sold. He couldn't take it anymore. So it's a, it's a real change. Wait till all those hipsters move in. I, I mean, I think it's there already. I have never, you know, never seen so many white people. <laughs> white people, dogs. I always say you go to Hoboken, you just see white people, dogs, and kids. Yeah. Like that's, and I'm like, do these people have jobs? It's like California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we go into Hoboken, it's funny. It's just like uh, a lot of yoga pants, a lot yeah. of, um, what's like the dude uniform there? I can't think of it, you know, like the, the archetypal yuppie kind of hobo. Oh yeah. Guy. Well, half of it's like collegey bar. That's why I like Jersey City. Like Jersey City's more of a chill area to be in. Like there's like cool hip like bars, art galleries coming up, mm-hmm. and like just all these cool neat hangout spots. Like where I feel like Hoboken's a little more snobby. I do love Hoboken because that's where all those interior designers are. So I mean, you can't beat that. The interior no. designer is your best customer. We actually, we have a job going to Jersey City in the shop right now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Downtown? Uh, like down on the water. It's the Hudson T building. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's the second, there. second uh, job we did in that same apartment. That's where Eli Manning was for quite a few oh, years. Oh, really? Yeah. He was, uh, he was living there when he was the uh, Giants quarterback. Wow. Yeah, it's a real junk that. of a building. Yeah. Isn't Tol- it funny? Toll Brothers. A lot of people, a lot of uh, celebrities live out there. And now you have all celebrities moving into Jersey City, so mm-hmm. it's pretty intense. So it's a good good time to be in Jersey City. My uh, buddy's cousin, actually my buddy who owns this company, his cousin, um, I don't know, I don't know where he lives now, but he used to live in the building right across from Goldman Sachs. Okay. So it's like, it was yeah, like a real place. tall, yeah, apartment building that they built probably and there's even 2005 or something. There's even bigger buildings down there now that they've just built. Well, yeah, we just took the ferry... Um, Ferry in, and usually it's stop at Wall Street, but it goes up to, um, what is that, uh, World Financial or whatever, which yeah. is right, Jersey City's right across the street. Yep. Or across the, across the street. Across <laughs> the, the water river. street. Yeah. And, like, I'm looking, I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't remember there being so many tall buildings. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. The uh, Jersey City mayor is trying to make a, make a run for governor. So it seems like he's headed there because what he's done in Jersey City has been insane. Hmm. I mean, everywhere you look, I mean, I can't, I can't believe like just the, the surrounding buildings. I used to be able to go on the roof for 4th of July, watch the fireworks. Now I can't even see out of like that couple block radius. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a painted flower window behind us, uh, or excuse me, painted flower building behind us. That's like 20 stories. Oh yeah. Um, when we go around the block. One? Yeah. That one of my uh, the kid that worked for me was living there. How much it was for a studio apartment? I can't even imagine. You get a gym, okay? That's great. Twenty eight hundred. Wow, I was going to guess eighteen hundred. Oh no, you can't get anything for eighteen hundred anymore. Not anymore, man. I remember Jersey City in the eighties. Oh yeah, a little different. Yeah, I had a six hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, plus <laughs> our, our drummer lived there, and there was that. It was like a theater that was turned into turned into like a ch- not a church church, but uh, it was all like the 
the facade was all painted gold or something was like the, that. Was it the, the Kingdom Hall? The, that's uh, that's where the uh, Jehovah Witnesses. They yeah, yeah, yeah. We drove yeah. by it. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. They've done they've done some work in there. I've, done, I've gone to a couple concerts. Uh, the one across the street, Lowe's Theater, is Prudential was supposed to invest in it and split half the cost with the city and rebuild it because the ceiling, just the interior, it's terrible. Mm. So they've been doing more and more stuff. I mean, I love going to, like, I'm a concert guy, and, like, there's been so much more in Jersey City than ever before. I mean, there's a new concert venue down the block, which is great. The new Italian bistro restaurant that we did is literally opening up right next door, and it looks like it's... Uh, a restaurant kind of out of like Hoboken or, you know, Manhattan basically can charge an arm and a leg, you know, so <laughs> I can only imagine what it would cost. I was going to say before Allie and I went to dinner on Saturday, it was 140 bucks for two people. And we went down yeah. the street in Kingsburg. Yeah. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. I, I just visited my buddy. I went to school in uh, Pennsylvania. Shout out East Stroudsburg University. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was on my list of schools. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's good, funny. We would have been there at the same time. Yeah. Good teaching school. And then I ran track there for a few years. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, had enough and joined a fraternity. <laughs> yeah. I did that for a little bit. Yeah. You know, Hey, in your twenties, you're, you're allowed to do that. But, uh, no, uh, I think I, I had dinner out there with him and I think I had steak and he had something of the same sort. And it was like, $55, mm-hmm. $60 for wow. like, a couple beers. And that, you know, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, well, I went to breakfast. Uh, Christopher takes me out to breakfast all the time now. Oh yeah, you were talking every, about this. all the not on what do you what do you call it? it's not an entree but uh, it tapas like no I mean like the main thing in a the entree in a breakfast menu is uh, it, it what you I don't know what you would call that but twenty dollars at this little place That's in a insane. strip mall I I was like I almost didn't want to order yeah it's like the are these aren't even organic eggs no like come on this. It's wild. I, I try not to go on for dates. I went to a expensive. wedding out in Stroudsburg and walked like that little downtown. Yeah, and it's good. pretty cool. Yeah. They actually had a, a music venue, and I was surprised at the acts that were coming in there. Yeah, they had some big acts coming in there. I would uh, I was always going when I was in school there. Oh, I can't remember the name. It was, uh, it's pretty, I don't know if you've been inside it. It's pretty big. No. Yeah. I, but I had quite a few thousand people in there. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I was surprised. But that was a good downtown area. Uh, oh, man. And you can get wasted for like eight bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I went to West Virginia University. So <laughs> oh, like, okay. That's a little You get wasted for oh, yeah. $4. That's, I was going to say that they just get you wasted. Well, Wednesday nights at the one bar, Chasers and Dreams, it was called, which is funny because there's a like abandoned bar up the street called Chasers. Wednesdays was Penny Pitcher Night. Wow. <laughs> An entire pitcher of beer. And it's not like a fake pitcher. It's a full size, Damn. you know, like the 64 They're ounce plastic or whatever. plastic though, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. A penny. You, that, that is like. So you would just give a dollar, you know. Yeah, of course. That's a, we do, you know, beat the clock. Mm-hmm. You know, that was always great. You ever do beat the clock? No. When you were back in the day. I mean, you know, it start off with like 25 cent beers and then every oh. hour go up to 50 cents. Yeah. You just order, you know, you order 16 beers. Here's a dollar tip, you mm-hmm. know. Definitely can't drink like that anymore. Me neither. Yeah. I think I, you know, the volume back then was so much that yes. it ate the years away, you know. I don't blame you. Some of the places. Dollar night when I was in school. That's that not bad. It. Well, Dollar? yeah, you were in the city, right? 
No, I went to Arizona State. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Well, which was party uh, school. It was a party school in the, in 1980. Was that for Drew. draft beer or bottled beer? That was for a pitcher. Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> that's no, that's good. I'm like, man, that seems expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was like. Some of the places shit. were drinking drowned. So it was like, you know, you paid $5 cover to get in and drinks were free until midnight. Oh, God. God. So you go in and be a, the one night I drank literally 30 whiskey and Cokes. Oh, oh, they're in those little, those little opaque uh, uh, plastic cups, you know, the little yeah. Dixie cups. Can't recover like that oh, anymore. No way. I had two beers on Saturday. I'm like, I don't feel you're right. Anyway. I want to stay in bed a little longer. <laughs> yeah. My dad would tell me stories. He was a disco bunny. I mm. uh, my parents or my mom still has his uh, sequined yellow oh, yeah. disco suit. <laughs> With the rings and oh, chains. Yeah. yeah. How would, old is your dad? My dad's 78 now. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, God he's still, bless him. He's still kicking it. He's, uh, I see them here and there. They're, uh, I like to garden. So yeah. I have my veggie garden over there. So it's uh, you're gonna have to come back with your dad. That would be a good episode. Oh man, yo, I you bet have he's no got idea. some stories. He is uh, he's a sweet talker. He's uh, he's got some funny stories. He used to drive in his like 1967 caddy, all big as all hell, and uh, the stories he would tell my friends and me. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm not son. kidding. That would be great. Oh yeah, yeah. He he really was living the American dream and success story. If he had a Cadillac, because that back then. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, because of your age and everything, but like that was the real sign of that success. Was a yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like if you had a Cadillac, it was like the whole block would come mm-hmm. and like, oh my God, Mr. Jamal's got a Cadillac. Can I sit in it? Can I, you know, look at really it? lost that allure. I feel yeah, like, yeah, it was it was so amazing if somebody had a Cadillac. My dad had it in the garage until. Uh, two, three years ago, and, you know, it was like they're paying the insurance. What the hell yeah. are you doing? My mother, just like, I think every wife is like, get the hell out. Like, we need to consolidate. And uh, somebody was going to make it like a chopper, not a chopper car. They were going to make it like put a engine block in it and have it like sitting outside. I don't hmm. know. My dad was a little like terrified of that, but, you know, he got some money for it, so it was good. Yeah. Um, but he did back in the day, he would have women from FIT. Come. Oh, geez. He would have women from FIT actually come and sew and learn how to mm. sew. And after that, he'd pick up one of his buddies and they'd get in the Econo Ford 150. Yeah. And they'd all head to, you know, Studio 54, whatever oh, in the my city, gosh. get all tuned up. And then they'd go to my dad's favorite Middle Eastern place. It's a franchise now called Mamoons. Oh. And uh, they'd, get, they'd get the food there in Chelsea. And yeah, that, that, that was the game. And, you know, you're driving back home, yeah. you don't care back in the day. Cause that wasn't a thing. And, you know, it'd start over the next day or whatever, but that's, that's a big, uh, a big tool that, uh, upholsterers use if they can't find like seamstresses, they'll, FIT. they'll go to like FIT or hmm. any kind any design school in the yeah. city. I know, like I was talking about before the uh, upholstery meetup, she started out doing that and she would sew cushions and that's how she started. And she, I kind of like you guys did, you were kind of spamming like interior designers and stuff. That's what she did. Her like partner, um, found a way to like spam like interior hundreds of interior designers in the city. And then for an interior designer, like many, it's all about trust, you know, Mm -hmm. upholsterer. It's about reputation. You know, you're a quality upholster. 
not like, like I said before, those gypsy upholsters. Right. So like, and my father like always prided himself as being like a quality, quality upholsterer. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's funny to see that you don't see that any, like that quality anymore. Cause that's everything. People don't want to pay for it. Your reputation's everything. And for us, it, it's kind of like, it's not like I'm upset when people come in and like, kind of like talk about the, like our quality, like, cause they don't know us and like, Oh, we don't like, and like, it kind of like, I, I don't know. I always paint the picture of like, we're at, we're artisan shop, you know, we're taking your frame down to the frame itself and painting a brand new canvas. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And some people don't understand that, but you know, a lot of people will like, I don't know. Some people will go and look on the website and see pictures and be like, Oh, it's great. But I mean, like Instagram has been so helpful for that because like Rob was saying before, he used to walk her down with like a Rolodex of pictures <laughs> and you're like, and that's, you know, and you'd be like, okay, here, look at, look, that's how, that's how I work. You yeah. know, that's, that's how you'd show people your work. Yeah. But it is kind of annoying when people question your work. It's more or less the reviews online help. You know, that's just, I tell every customer like, the biggest tip you can give me is a review because that's how people find out more and more about us. You know, you get those bad reviews here and there. I mean, I've had quite a few and I'm just like, I don't even care just because like you can't please everybody. Like customers will come in with an idea and a number in their head. Right. And if you don't agree to their number, they're going to give you a bad review. Like I had, I had, you mean you had a bad review and you didn't even do work? I have three or four bad reviews and I didn't even do work because I'm not going to negotiate. What kind of whack job? To do jobs for free. It's ridiculous. Like I had one guy. You shouldn't even be able to leave a review like that. Isn't it crazy? So I had one guy recently. He was, English was his second language. And I think he was confused on the pricing. And like, I'm like, there's no way I can do the job for this price. There's no way I gave you that price. (laughs) And, you know, the fabric alone is going to be more. And he just like screaming at me, came in like all this stuff. And I'm like, holy crap. You know, I see my dad's nightstick. I'm like, am I going to, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he left like a one star review, like saying this guy didn't give me the, you know, he, he cheated me on the price. And I'm just like, you know what? Scratch, go scratch. But yeah. there's been other ones of like Americans, like literally coming in, like I said, having a, having a number and they may have a price from a different upholsterer, but that's that upholsterer's price. Yeah. You Go know, there and get it done. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're paying for that experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm telling you, my guy's got 40 to 50 years of experience and you want to pay me, you know, a thousand dollars to do your couch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to agree to that. No. And like, oh. the best is people get like offended. It's like, this is my price. Like, you yeah. don't have to have me do it. Right. I'm if sure. you want me to do it this bad, then you have to pay my price. And you guys run into that, I'm sure. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, have you run into the review where, like, someone has literally, like, got butthurt about the price? <laughs> no. We um, I, we have a they real hard time. <laughs> yeah. We have a real hard time getting reviews. Like, we, huh. we only have, like, maybe a dozen reviews. Okay. Um, and they're all good, thankfully. But it's just, it's insane that, like, you can't please anybody. And, like, you could you see these, like, Different companies, hey, we'll clean your review website. Uh, and I'm like, no, I don't no. need that shit. Like, you can read the reviews and just know, like, 
this guy's an asshole. Like, yes. why? Like, he should not have even written this. And like, it's like Amazon. You know, you go on there and you see like a one star review. It's like showed up late. It's like that's not criteria <laughs> for yeah. the review. Like, and it's insane. Like, I think a guy wrote that I, uh, I, I like just put turn my back to him and I like scoffed because of the, what he wanted to pay. And I'm like, that never happened. That's okay. And I'm like, can you take down the review because it's nasty? And and then one guy left a one star review because he's like. He seemed like a nice guy, but just it was like quadruple the price of like if I went to Walmart. So, so. And I'm like, go to Walmart, man. Like, what do you expect? Uh, so, you know, that's just another like thing in like business that we all deal with. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it just grinds your gears. You're like, what the hell? You know, why do you why go out of the way? Right. Because, yeah, it's, you know, not the simplest thing to get on Google and leave a review. You know, there's multiple no. steps. So you have to, it's a very malicious act. There's some you, intention there. Yeah. Well, it's because it, you're not going to do the job for their price, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just like, all right, I'm like, please look at my colleagues and like, tell them you don't want to pay them. Tell them you want to pay them $10 an hour. Right. Yeah. And then, then we can do it for you. And then tell the electric company that, that, oh, I don't want to pay, pay this you know? week. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I obviously I say like there's rent involved too because like of course there is that. You know, there's property yeah. taxes and exactly. everything else. You have to maintain the building. You know what I mean? Just because you're not. So even though I do, you know, obviously I work there. You know, I got to maintain the building. I'm the super. If anything happens, I mean, you know, the other week we had to put on a new roof. It's just such wow. a, you know, and you're dealing with that. You're dealing with the upholstery business itself. Um, I had a family issue a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and I. I had to step in as Uncle Jim for, you know, some time. And, like, you know, it's there's always something. You don't have that time off that you can take from, like, a big company. Yeah. We talk about that. Our paternity UPS leave. Driver. Maternity leave. <laughs> or, like, our UPS driver. I don't know if you're listening, Alan. Because he, he delivered we're something. Jealous. We weren't here. We weren't here. And he's like, you guys starting a podcast? I'm like, we've been doing this for 150 episodes. Um, yeah, like 14 weeks of vacation. Wow. <laughs> where are you gonna get that as well what are they gonna do or for for us i mean who's gonna pay you you know nobody i know i don't know if it's england or somewhere in europe you get like seven to i think it's seven seven weeks to uh 14 weeks too and the government pays you mm-hmm. which would be great yeah but again like running a small mom and pop shop is that feasible like, can I you mean, know? could we even stay in, even if we we'd got have paid? To charge, we'd have to charge double what we're already charging yeah. just to be able to afford to take the time off and not work. Exactly. Who's going to pay your rent? You yeah. Know? I, I mean, I would worry, like, what's going on with the business, even if we were getting paid. Yeah. Let's say Jeff and I said, oh, we saved up enough money. We're going to take a month off. What's happening bit to the business? You have to work month? it to some degree. Yeah. You, know? you have to answer phone calls and generate leads and i don't know yeah. about you guys but i feel married to the business I, yeah you know it's an understatement it's a gr- <laughs> we have a friend who says it's a marriage is a grind yeah it really is i mean you're doing like you guys said you're doing like 10 different things you're wearing so many different hats trying to do this mm-hmm. that, yeah. that trying to and then just doing the jobs that's like the easy part like it's all the other things that are a pain in the ass yeah you know it's like i've had this thing sitting here now for two days i gotta get in and and translate this into something that's 10 feet tall. We have to replicate that 10 feet tall. Is that the flower? Yeah. Yeah. And there's another, another thing in here, but it's like, you know, so we started building this kitchen. It's like, I don't want to step away from that 
to get into this. Yeah. I can't step away from that to get into this. And I'm sure as hell not bringing that home and doing it tonight. <laughs> what is we're that going to be for? We're toasty after 4.30. We're, we're totally useless. Yeah, it's going to be an install. I, I don't know how much I could say about it. It's going to be an installation in Manhattan. Okay. So um, okay, like a piece. A prominent, yeah. In a prominent spot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I, I wanted to ask you, do you know Sahara in Brooklyn? Sahara in Brooklyn. Sahara is what an upholstery? Rest, no, no a restaurant. restaurant. It it sounds familiar. A lot of my um, my Arabic roots, I would say, are geared towards uh, Patterson. Okay, because like we, we go to Patterson a lot. I like that kind of food, and you mentioned yeah. a good restaurant, so I, yeah. I've eaten at Sahara. I didn't know how it ranked there for was, like authenticity or anything. I'd like to get into really that good. kind of some yeah. nice grilled meats and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's really good. So me being the only son. When I was born, and being the youngest made it probably even worse. My, my my dad and my family like they sacrificed a goat. Oh jeez! Yeah. <laughs> so my dad had I, I don't know if it was a customer or just uh, a doctor he knew slice up the goat, and it was like fifty or hundred people, family, friends, and everything. Just because I was a boy. Yeah. So the treatment was a little different in an Arabic family, even though we're super Americanized. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad actually learned Arabic in the shop with my grandparents too. That's how oh, he wow. learned. Yeah. yeah, it happens fast, doesn't it? Yeah, I turn, mean, for, turn American. Yeah, like yeah. look at me, Jeff. I mean, I'm re- one generation. It's it's hard to believe I'm only a generation away yeah. from them taking the boat ride. Same. I mean, I'm I, like two. I have like two generations and some, and then it's yeah. like going back like 400 years with yeah, the others. That's yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, like I have family that came here from England in the 1600s. Wow. But then I have like, you know, Italian and Hungarian family that, you know, 1910, came over in the great immigration yeah. waves. Yep. It's insane. Everybody has like that one. Every family has that or each side has that one story of like flight and like struggle, migration, just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing so. to think about like coming here. Don't speak the language. Not n- a penny in your pocket. Nothing. Came steerage. Yeah. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. And, it, you know, you were kind of able to do it back in the day. I right. mean, now I feel like it's so much harder. There's just so many more loops to jump through. Yeah. And this I'm like and you. I, I try and have empathy for all the people that are struggling to get here because, you know, it's, you know, it's not that far away in, in, from us. Everybody has a situation and you don't know what everybody's dealing with. Yeah. So it's... uh. It's kind of heart-wrenching and, like, terrifying also to hear some of the stories, especially, I mean, I hear it a lot in, like, the Spanish community mm-hmm. now because, oh, like, yeah. my, my trade is interlocked with Spanish. And it's like, oh, there was a beheading on in this guy's, like, mm-hmm. you know, center of city. Right. You know, it's so all it's, the drug cartels and stuff yeah, like that. So a lot of them don't want to go back or they, you know, they go back and, like, get into a fortified place and that's that's it. But, um you know, uh, I mean, for me, I want to get west of the Rockies, get the far south away from here, man. I mean, <laughs> Sausalito, here I come. Yeah, Jer- I, hopefully my sister and brother-in-law are still out there at that point. But uh, it's Jersey City is just a grind. Yeah. I mean, it's great. You come here, you make money and everything. But, like, just it just wears you down over time. And, like, if you don't take those, like, just breaks and mental boundaries, you know, especially in our industries, like you'll just burn out so quickly. I couldn't do it. I I like suburbia like this, you know, I like to visit, you know, 
drive into the drive through New York City. Like when we go out to the Hamptons, most of the time we come home, we go through the Midtown Tunnel, and it's nice to you know, yeah, be in the city for fifteen minutes and, and then, then out. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I love during COVID. There was no traffic. Oh. I mean, you got into the New York City to the delivery or pickup in fifteen minutes. I mean, now it's back to an hour and fifteen, but it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I for me, you know, I just. I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me. And we do so much like high end, you know, commercial stuff in the city or residential stuff. And like I said before, it takes you to some neat places where basically the, you know, the, the floors, the walls, the door is gold and marble and everything. And they took it from the streets and they put it inside yeah. the penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, fa- I mean, I always like in my brain, cause I'm never going to ask how much these places are. And you just like your mind blown by you know some of these places we're doing like a house or excuse me a, a apartment that's four stories in this complex right outside of central park and i'm just blown away we're like yeah we just laid off a quarter of our work- workforce in the company i own <laughs> <laughs> you like this gold toilet it's 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 neat though i think i, I think i told you guys that my dad used to be like he used to do work with the uh, Sabaros, the pizza yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. So that was a neat one for him that they would fly him out to Florida, you know, and all over. Um, and as an upholsterer, that's kind of that's got a high class. Yeah, that's probably. pretty gratifying, and you know, you, you got to feel a certain way. So he would always do like Mario Sabaros' house in the Hamptons, the guest houses that are bigger than everybody's houses here, mm-hmm. obviously, and like all his restaurants in New York City, which was great. But um, it was insane. Sabaros is one of the other restaurants that my dad has done for like 30, 40 years. We haven't done them in a while. They kept selling to him and then he would, or he would sell to someone and then like buy it back when it was crap and then sell again. Yeah. That's a so typical, smart. typical scam. Yeah. <laughs> Not a scam, but it was you know. working. Yeah. He's sick, but, um, yeah, I don't Did know. He use junk bonds. <laughs> <laughs> we got junk bond stories. Oh, oh boy. We've done, uh, what was I going to say? And then, I don't know, do you guys do a lot of work like outside of New Jersey, New York area? Nah, we recently shipped a couple nightstands to Park City, Utah. Oh, wow, okay. Um, you've cool. sent some stuff like down, what, Maryland? Maryland. Okay. Yeah, um, but it's, I mean, people, it's a tangible kind of thing. You yeah. know, if you want to touch it, see it. I've had clients that will go into a local upholsterer because they know we use that fabric or whatever. And then they'll come to me and say, hey, Jim, this is what I want to do. Uh, can you make me cushions or, you know, here's a sofa that I want to reupholstered. They'll drive it up from Virginia. Wow. And you're just mind blown. I uh, Yeah, you guys did all those, um, what, stools for the place in D.C.? Yeah, so uh, Swingers is a, it's like, it's good first date spot i'll tell you that much it's uh it's a like a english fairy tale like nine hole golf course hmm. mini golf thing and they have uh there's like four different nine hole golf courts hmm. and it's spectacular is I it mean, inside or is it's it... inside Whoa. it is so oh. freaking cool you know what i always think it's like alice in wonderland like you're kind of just in this like magical little place but that's cool their their like whole shtick is great they have one in england um, and then once in DC that we did, uh, 40 bar stools for, and then we did quite a few things for this one in NoHo and we're doing a sofa for them, uh, in the next month or so that I got to pick up. 
But it's it's pretty neat, man. Like I had a customer drop off a sofa, you know, get this yeah, as a as a business owner, twelve o'clock at night on a Sunday. <laughs> Can you believe that? They're like Jim, but you know, we'll be there soon. And I'm scratching my Lucky head. Lucky you live there. Like, yeah, listen, the well, door's, door's unlocked. Just put it inside. <laughs> pretty much. I, like, didn't want to do it. But, like, they're like, oh, we have the movers. We're coming from Virginia. And I was just like, I'm a human. You know, I have a life. Like, thank God I live there. They were supposed to be there, like, two hours earlier. And the uh, the chef across the street was going to open at the shop. And that's the night I'm a 49er fan. And the 49ers got destroyed by the Eagles. <laughs> So I just drove back. From oh, my when friends. Purdy got hurt. When Purdy got hurt, okay. I was I was by I was in the Philly area, and I was just like, "All right, this game's over. Like, I'm fine. I'm just gonna drive back home." And got back at like ten something, and these freaking people, twelve o'clock, come with a couch and a chair, and I'm just like, "Wow, this is like the most insane thing." I mean, they were really nice people, but it was just like, "Holy crap!" At like twelve o'clock at night, this is like intense. Were they previous clients, and they moved? No, or uh, they- so. They, their situation was it was just a family heirloom and they were kind of cleaning out a parent's house. Um, but they ended up being really awesome customers. I mean, most of our customers are, um, you know, it, I would say like 90% of our customers are really cool. We've kind of talked about um, just interior designers being very like flaky sometimes. That's that's like something like that gets annoying, but at the end of the day, like they're paying your salary. So, yeah. you know, you, you know. So, but we work with interior designers from Boston, Detroit, um, California, upstate New York, Connecticut. I mean, really all over the place, Virginia. And like, you know, there's just Florida and people just send us the specs and, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to ship you this furniture. Um, I just picked up furniture from Greenpoint, Brooklyn for a designer out of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, and technology is crazy. Like you don't have to go through anything that people see your work online yeah. and that's it. Now that's how we got the U-shaped banquette job. Wow. Yeah. Through Instagram. I can't believe that. That was like those, uh, nightstands we just made, like never, never had met this designer prior. We never met in person. We never even talked on the phone. It was all email and text. And then we sent them off to Utah. Like, it was just like, this is weird. Isn't that insane? But like, once you get that little rapport with these interior designers, like it goes a long way. Yeah, honestly, because they have interior design friends, mm-hmm. and then they yeah. just, you know, they're gonna like I said before, they're gonna start off with a small piece, and then like it just gets bigger and bigger. There's a fly in here bugging oh, me. Yeah, like we could palletize pretty much anything that we build, you know, and send oh, yeah. it anywhere. It's either we're gonna drive it over to your house in the van, or somebody's gonna load it into a big truck and drive it to your house. You know, like so. those sauce walls. Oh yeah, yeah. We built these giant walls. Yeah, you guys have some intense builds. I mean, uh, this is gonna be insane. I cannot wait to see it. I'm always kind of blown away by some of your builds. So it'll be basically to the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. That is intense. And you know, how much is that gonna weigh? Well, is it gonna be? Is it gonna be wood? No, we're still ironing out the exact details of okay. how. What's the coolest job you guys have done, like project wise, that you've taken on? Hmm. Mo- like most unique. Yeah, something that you'll you've always gone back to and remembered. I mean, I think that stealing glass wine cabinet that we built is that's still got to be one of my favorite things. Yeah, just when when it was done, it just looked so cool, and it. There was so many, it was such a, 
a boundary pusher for us in terms of building it. <laughs> Had a great, has like some great stories attached yeah. to it too. Um, and then what's, putting those glass panels in, we were oh, just yeah. terrified. And then one they, exploded. Yeah, it was like 60 inches by like 28 inches wide tempered glass. The one just blew up in our hands. <laughs> yeah. No safety glasses. You know, <laughs> We didn't know what was going to happen. I don't think people realize how much work it takes for us to do what we do. I mean, they may see pictures and some videos that, you know, we post, but it's like, it's so labor intense. Yeah. Like that, like you at the end of the day, just thank, thank God, you know, you, you did it like, and like it's up and it's, you know, it's hung and it, it's quality work, but it's just like, it's a freaking hassle. Yeah. What we do. The yeah. most intense was the beam. Yeah. Cause it was just so big. It was big. Heavy. All, all the, all high up in the air. 14 Jeez. feet. Was it a 35? About, <laughs> just the two of you. A little bit bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. Holy moly. It was in three sections. But, but wow. they, how heavy do you think one section of that beam weighs? It's a lot. Over 100 pounds. Yeah. Holy so shit. we're holding, we're standing on 14 foot ladders, holding Attaching this beam the, up with one hand, trying to attach it. At the end the of the ceiling. day, you just got to be happy or alive. Jeez. And then, you know, so you get. You have to, it has to fit in tight, you know? So yeah. it's like, you get to the last piece and it's like, you really got to jam that in Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have that issue. Oh man, when we were doing the uh, channeled uh, backs for Celia, they were like tough bit channels. Oh, it was like on the wall, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh my God. Those are such a pain that was another one that we, we, uh, oh, yeah, those. priced out with you was, that was with the same designer that this stupid sectional and this other bull crap is for. Was like that a banquette with a big like nine? They wanted nine foot tall, and when oh, I gave yeah. them the price, they're like, "Oh, our budget was like yeah. that was like a made quarter. up almost like half of the budget <laughs> of the whole scope of work." And I'd priced out a mail room, this that. Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, they're like, can we save some money?" I'm like, "Well, first of all, get rid of this nine foot tall by <laughs> ten feet wide channeled back." It's it's insane that like some designers don't realize like what. The costs are mm-hmm. like I. They need to know this stuff because like we can yeah. get you some integral to their business. Well, I've had a couple. I mean, I'm I'm only 33, but I've had you know I like I said before, I have so much experience just from my parents running mm-hmm. the business, and like when I went to this upholstery meetup, they're picking my brain and all this stuff, and it, it, it's mind blowing because oh. I don't know, like people don't understand like the time it takes to do a job. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the rub. And I had a learning moment with a designer recently and, you know, she's like, oh, I want a banquette tufted. And she's like, well, it's 10 or 12 inches by, you know, 160. And I'm like, okay, you know, no problem. And I give her a price and she's like, Jesus. (laughs) like what the hell like are you building like what are you building this out of and i'm like no tufting is freaking insane yeah it's like tell me this tell me without telling me that this is your first time pricing out a yeah well you know like i think designers as they're trying to get into like bigger stuff like i think jacqueline does a very great job in her design game like she she's got it going but like a lot of designers don't realize like what it takes to build some of this like glamorous stuff yeah because you might see a piece, you know, you could buy this thing on Wayfair and it's tufted and it's only $299. Yeah. 
So when I priced the last project out for this client, it was like 120 hours of work because of the tufting. And it was double the time, actually, almost triple because of the tufting. Mm -hmm. It's just sitting there tufting and tufting, and it just takes forever. And, like, people just think it comes out of, like, thin air, like, this this process, like, but it's, like, it sucks, man. It takes forever. And then a step under that's the channeling. Like, it's the same thing. Um, We learned a different way to channel of weight, so it's been a little less time-consuming, but it's still like double the time than a regular like banquette like those two banquettes that we or the two the uh 43 foot long banquette that we finished that was like two weeks of labor maybe maybe a little bit more and that was three people Mm -hmm. and me so like you could say four people doing the work it's crazy yeah and it was a lot of moving parts and i mean you see the shop we literally had a setup in the back where uh, Robert would be working on the one, and we had Angelica uh, just sewing. Uh, Robert was also cutting, and Aiden and myself were putting stuff together in the front and then just getting it out the door, you know, like, and then the guy coming to pick, it was like five stations in my little shop, and it's just, you know, you're always, like, just, like, juggling. Like I said, my parents' garage is a great Mm -hmm. place for storage, even though I'm in the... The uh, hot house for that, and then <laughs> my mom's like, "I'm trying to downsize." Or like retire. I got rid of my Cadillac, so you could put furniture in here. Pretty much, there's like a couple sofas in the garage right now. So uh, I that tried used to, to be my house. Well, what are you gonna do? That's money. Yeah, yeah. You know? We bring stuff in. It's like, hey, you're gonna have to move the dining room table over. We're bringing in a piece. Yeah. Thankfully, I wasn't. I'm not that crazy. I think my uh, my parents would chop my head off, but um. You know, they're uh, they're cool with it. My dad's just, I think, super appreciative that I'm doing the business. Yeah, doing it proud. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, my mom didn't want me to do the business because she just, you know, she saw the struggle of my father. Mm. And, you know, the money wasn't always there. Um, but now that it's such a niche market, and I kind of saw that, and I tried to get... I basically had tried to become like I tried to take over the business like 10 years ago or so. And part of me has always wanted to do this because it's something I've always enjoyed doing. But working with your family is very hard. Yeah. So that's uh, you can't really leave that at the door. Just visiting hard. <laughs> yeah. That's why that's literally why I have a garden at my parents just to get my Zen place, just to be able to do the couple hours that I do. But it's, it's true. And my dad didn't want to retire. I talked with the woodworker at this upholstery meetup and same thing. His dad is in the seventies and didn't want to let go. Want, he still doesn't want to let go. And it's just like, what are you going to do? You're going to carry a couch. That's kind of how my grandfather died in the industry. He just, he, he was working till he was 82 and he died. That's crazy. And it's just like, I don't want to be that. Like, for me, it's like, I want to get, like, west of the Rockies and, like, Montana or whatever in Colorado. Oh, you're going to fit in, right like, in Montana. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I I enjoy the uh, I enjoy the mountains and just the wilderness. I mean, it's I had some, uh, not deja vu, just, uh, I guess, bringing back old memories as I drove down here because my... Um, my grandparents had B&Bs in uh, Belmar. Oh, cool. Mm. So, yeah. So, once they retired from Hoboken, they would open these B&Bs. And my mom, that was her first job as a little kid. And uh, I grew up at one of, one of the last houses that they had. And 
fortunately my mother sold it year before covid wow yeah i want to cry they uh tore it down built a mansion oh, she's uh the house was in lake como mm-hmm. it was uh, a a block from the lake two blocks from the uh ocean like right by dj's area oh, okay so yeah. that's where my mom used to hang out but yeah, she's got uh she had a whole Hoboken background. They're both self-made. My parents, my grandparents, uh my grandmother worked in the library in Hoboken for ages and my grandfather was like a handyman around Hoboken and like I wear his jacket in the shop sometimes. It has his name embroidered in and like says property of Hoboken Library on it, so that's pretty neat, you know. That's cool. With a little uh touch of history there. But you know, it's it's uh for me it's I'm very I don't know. It's just a lot of gratefulness and passion and just like love. I feel um, just being able to do what I'm doing. I mean, I see you guys and you basically the same thing. Like you, you, you know, you go home and you think about it. You, you you know, it's, uh, (laughs) there's no other way to do it. Not always, not always positive thoughts. Sometimes there's anxiety. I mean, Hey man, this, this, we were talking before we came on the air this morning, you know, the one client, uh, with the 43 foot long banquette yeah hits yeah. me up and he's like oh it's too long and we're not gonna we're not gonna hit our licenses and our coding and all this and i'm like you know i'm like number one i trust jeff and rob that they're gonna do exactly what they say mm-hmm. and then i trust myself and i'm like there's no way and you know we still had to tighten them up and everything when we were there and like they shrunk another six seven inches which made it 43 inches and it was It was great, but it's just like you never know with a business what's around the corner. Yeah, barn doors. Honestly, (laughs) even even to get like this time to like just do this has been like, you know, it's it's been great. But like you know, I've I've you know scheduled around it, and I'm like super fortunate that you guys have had me number one, and uh, and thank you, and um, just to like be able to get out of the like the office. Like it's it's not, good for us too. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is sort of like our regularly scheduled. We do this every either Wednesday or Thursday, um, you know, anywhere from an hour to three hours or something. And it's like, it's almost like therapy and like, you know, because yeah. we just talk. Yeah. That's, and that, like, that's, that's the big thing. Like you get to talk about the industry between yourselves. Right. But you don't get to hear like another person's like insight. And like, that's what like that upholstery meetup was. That was just like, a bunch of freaking, you know, people just getting down, you know, it was, she got, you know, beers and everything was great. And we're all just like cracking up about like this and that and the other thing, just like industry stuff that's mm-hmm. stupid and like crap that we've had to deal with that has given us agita and like that no one else realizes as an, a business owner of an upholstery shop. So, but it's, uh, it's so cool to see like you, you know, take that outlet and to put it into here, especially just for your mental state, like where you get to like add like a different side of the actual job itself, like where you get to incorporate like yeah. this into it. So, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if there's an upholstery podcast coming soon, but it's pretty neat. I, cool. uh, I could get, get that going. Right. Uh, we'd listen. You guys yeah. would be one of my first, uh, first guests. Totally We've met quite there. a few very cool people doing this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You just um, meet so many. You know, you, when you let somebody talk for a couple hours, you really learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the networking, like, yeah. who you can meet. I mean, just, like, that that uh, connector for us with Jacqueline was amazing. I mean, we've done jobs. 
quite a few jobs with Jacqueline as well as just with you, like just separate jobs. It's been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, like I love the scenery company that we were working with, but we were like kind of small fries to them. Um, they did a lot of like giant stuff and like the windows, Macy's day parades, all that kind of stuff. And you we're know, not th- we're not there quite yet. <laughs> yeah, well, thank, thanks you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, so I kind of, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take it personally, but like, I understood like, you know, the, the margins aren't exactly there for, yeah. you know, they're and, doing, you know, six figure and up jobs. Well, pretty much. And they're getting shipped stuff throughout the whole country. So like, it was just taking a longer process. Mm-hmm. So just finding like a quality craftsman is like a godsend. And like, yeah, we're it's like, been, Hey, you need a bank. Yeah. We'll start on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, it's been a great partnership, honestly. I yeah, mean, yeah. and I'm sure for the next, whatever 10 20 years we're gonna yeah. keep, keep it growing and hopefully what it, what's the saying uh, your uh mouth to god's ears or yeah. whatever or something like there that <laughs> i mean and hopefully we meet some other int- i mean i'm trying to meet other people to like extend my business i'm trying to stay in my lane but like just like drapery people oh yeah people i yeah. mean just finding someone uh the danish company in Linoba, he literally sits there and does everything by himself it's like a whole day. You're just painstaking. And it's just one chair. It's crazy. It's miserable. You just, just sit in there. We used to have a Dominican lady. Um, really nice. She would just, like, her kids running around the shop. And you basically just had her sitting there just caning away. And this, smaller than this, was her, like, whole shop. And it was, like, a legit, like, you know, storefront. But she just had, like, chairs in it. But... Like I said, no one does this stuff anymore. No one does carpentry anymore. And if you do, it's like dime a dozen. I've met a couple other carpenters that we've worked with um, through designers and just through just people that are that are having stuff built. But I would say partnership wise, I've done more work with you than anybody else. So I love it. Grateful for that. Yeah. What was I going to add? Can't think now. Oh. We're trying to get a meetup going. Yeah. You know, you, you'd fit right in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see you guys kind of go around and to a lot of different meetups. I mean, where or what type of meetup specifically? Just an industry like everybody in, in like trades? Uh, yeah. Networking. Well, like when we we're supposed to do a ribbon cutting here at some point. They've, they've been That's wanting to big. do it since the beginning of the year when we moved in. But we wanted to get the building painted and stuff. Yeah. No, it's a lot of work, man. So we figured we'd lump that in. With, uh, you know, have people in. They can check out the shop, cook some food, hang out. That would be a Do great a idea. networking. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be a great yeah, idea. Other, other, you know, woodworkers, upholsterers, whoever, designers, designers, architects. Don't know if there's many upholsterers that would show yeah. up. There's yeah, actually, we have one in town. She's not an upholsterer per se, but she does like Seems drapes strict. and pillows and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's the that's the one key that every upholstery shop tries to find, just like that seamstress, because mm-hmm. that's the hardest thing. Um, but if you have that, you have a well-oiled machine. You have a gut guy. You have a cutter, a sewer, an upholsterer. Yeah. You can you can just bang out stuff. It's like a Sit- shop. You need a guy cutting <laughs> the parts. You need a guy putting them together. And you need a guy finishing them. My times have basically almost halved because of having a seamstress now, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's been great. My problem is being able to generate the business, which thank to God, keep her busy. That's yeah, the scary which part. is great. So I mean, you know, 
when during the heyday of COVID, like I said, it was like six to eight weeks, but now we're like on like a one to two month wait. So it's not too bad. Usually I tell customers that like you want a sofa, you know, it's like four to eight weeks, you know, yeah. it just depends how, you know, how much ambition you have too. like, you got to come into the shop if you don't have fabric. Like I, whatever, if you're older, I'll definitely come in, you know, do whatever I need to help you. But at the end of the day, like it's much easier. There's thousands of books. Come to the shop, give me a deposit. We'll come pick up the piece, take it apart, bring it back to you. Yeah. I mean, we don't really, I don't know. And like the, the main problem, or I would guess you could say the main like complaint, I guess you can have is like, we, you know, we have the, the, the furniture for, you know, a long <laughs> period of time. Like that's it. Like, you know, we make beautiful work, but it's patience. Yeah. You know, I, I had one upholstery job done, you know, back in the old yeah. days. I made it. It's actually in Jersey City. All right. It was an upholstered headboard, and I didn't know anything about upholstery. This was Edwina in Red Bank. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the client had the fabric. It was like this blue suede kind of fabric. And I felt comfortable because she was, I was like, she was like, well, which way do you want this to run? And I don't see any. What the hell is running, right? Yeah. yeah. She's like, no, look, you know, yeah, she's you running her it. hand on it. She's yeah. like, and then if I put it this way, then the seam is. I'm like. It looks different. Yeah, you're going to I knew it. she knew 10 times more than yeah, I did. I just said, yeah, I just bring go the, for it. the headboard. You do the upholstery. That, that's <laughs> one thing I do like about a lot of, um, I shouldn't say a lot. I'll, I'll say some designers, like, or even just clients in general, like they'll let you use your professional expertise. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, it. I, why would I tell her which way to Isn't do it? Isn't insane? Like that's I, uh, with Jacqueline, that's like one of the things that we always liked about her. It's like she would give like the overarching idea, but then she would defer to us, which is like, yeah. man, nobody ever does that for us, you know? I feel like you need that um, just because it gives you a little like creativity in there because – all it is is your imagination and creativity at the end of the day. Like you're literally making something with your hands. Like, you know, it's not just like a factory type thing. Um, that's why like, you know, Jacqueline's been great. And like, you know, just like, and she brings us projects that are different and unique. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know if you saw, we made a table for uh, another designer, really cool designer in uh, Jersey city, uh, Crystal from DBK. Uh, but she kind of wanted that same thing. And we like, we took a table, a glass table and we put a platform on top of it, you know, just regular piece of wood and, uh, upholstered it, put a cushion on top of it. And there you go. You got a secondhand piece for something that was sentimental to mm -hmm. that client. Mm. So I would honestly, that's probably like 25 to 35% of our business, just straight sentimental. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. I mean, you definitely feel, uh, you know, so you feel great about yourself in those, like, saves. We did a cool one with Jacqueline for a Valentine's Day, like, surprise, which was really awesome, um, where a client wanted to, uh, you know, get a chair done as a, just a present for his wife. And it, like, she was so surprised and stunned. And, like, you know, it's just a cool thing to be a part of. Oh, and yeah. I was happy that we were able to make it work. Um, but, yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's demanding industry and just uh, it's exciting to just like work on these pieces because every piece has a story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, like Jack White, uh, oh, White yeah. Stripes, like yeah. he was an upholsterer. Really? Like, yeah. So huh. he was I a, didn't know that. Yeah, he was an upholsterer in Detroit. Wow. So he would put his lyrics in the upholstery. Wow. 
Yeah, so <laughs> if you're in Detroit listening and you're tearing your sofa apart, look for the lyrics. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> worth some money. Yeah, maybe Jack White will give you something. But yeah, he did he did that for quite a few years before becoming like the musician that he is hmm. now. I mean, he was always a musician, but before becoming famous and self yeah. self supporting. So I mean, I I see the upholstery game as like a neat creative like you know like your arts you're you're an artist guy like oh, you're an artsy type yeah. person like that like that rock star. It's so like a sustainable like, art form, you know. You couldn't, you can't have a steady paying job as a fine, I mean, you can, but as like a fine painter, you know, I paint pictures and sell them. Like, that's really hard. Yeah. Being a woodworker or an upholsterer or uh, whatever. Everybody's going to always need you. Yeah. You can do something that is creative and is an art at the end of the day and still make a, a living, you know, and with some level of, uh, of security. There's a, there's a lot of art galleries, like I said, in Jersey City. And I did work for a guy who's a wonderful client and saw one of his paintings. It was, I don't know if it's supposed to be the World Trade or something, very Gotham black and, you know, everything. And I look at the price tag and it's almost six figures. And I'm like, why didn't I charge this man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, triple the price. But, you know, that's, you know, it's a little different in the art, you know, world. But I, I, that's what, in my mind, I'm trying to get to like a high end appeal, like because mm-hmm. nobody has 40 years experience in upholstering or 50 years experience and the knowledge that we have. So no, those guys are all gone, isn't it insane? That's I was saying that before, like during COVID, I know of three upholsters that died in Jersey City. They were just all older, and unfortunately, like you know, that's what happened. It's just like yeah. my father, he got lucky. I mean. So that was two existing upholstery shops that basically just closed right then and there. Yeah, I think my uncle's shop closed in the 80s. Yeah. There was nobody left to take it over. That's what it is. Like, who wants to do backbreaking work? Like, and (laughs) yeah, all of us (laughs) are idiots. idiots. For punishment. But it's, it's, you know, right now, like, the country's gearing you more towards profitability wise. Like you're going to gear towards a trade school. You're going to make a lot of money. If you go to a trade school, mm-hmm. you join a union, you're, you're going to be set for life. I mean, we're taking the hard route here. Being yeah. We're owners. entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. We don't have to follow any rules though. <laughs> that is really fun. And unlike you guys, I, I sleep a little in sometimes. I mean, you guys are nuts. I like four in the morning. We get up yeah. early though. Yeah, that's true. I stay late. I'm I got okay up at three thirty today. Holy crap! Yeah, Robert. <laughs> Robert's up at five o'clock. He's like, I can't sleep. I'm coming in at six thirty, five o'clock, or seven o'clock. I'm like, Robert, whatever you want to do. And then, you know, we'll lock up at seven o'clock, which is great. But uh, not many people want to work like that anymore. Yeah. But if you got the time and like, if you, you like got what you work, do, that's the thing, you know. Yeah, and like our work environment's really cool. Uh, grill out in the back. Uh, you know, Fridays we'll go out, have a couple drinks or whatever, just order food and kind of chill. It's a very relaxed work environment. It has to be. Otherwise it's too much. It becomes too much of work. Uh, Well, honestly, like my dad was that guy that was just looking over your shoulder and he's like, let me see what you're doing. Like I just, yeah. Like Tom, I don't have time for that. Like I, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. I want you to do the best work you can do. And, Sometimes the best work you can do is me going on a podcast and them staying in the store and working. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you yeah. you come back and things just happen while you're gone. You no, know? it's great. Um, and it's like I, magic. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Uh, our newest hire is always, like, amazed. She was, like, blown away by these 43-foot-long banquettes that came in. She's like, oh, my God, where'd that come from? So, you know, everybody's always working. Like, I'm always, you know, I'm wheeling and dealing, trying to get, like, more furniture, more jobs in the shop. But, you know, I also know my worth, and I'm like, even if I'm not busy, I'm just like, I'm not going to take this job. Like, it's not worth mm-hmm. it. Like, I will just... That's smart. Yeah. For us, it used to be in the industry, January, February, that's when you kind of settled down and, you know, took stock of what you had, threw whatever out, you know, paint, do any, you know, cleaning that you need to do. Because everybody from Labor Day on through the holidays are like, I need this tomorrow, (laughs) you know, and they won't stop. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's the way of our culture now, but... It, it all ties around like everybody trying to show off to their family and friends. Like, mm-hmm. look at my, look at my brand new upholstered sofa or look chair. Look at my Cadillac. Room. Yes. Look at my dining room table mm-hmm. chairs that everybody's sitting on for dinner. Aren't they nice? You know, yeah. people want that vibe. You got oh, yeah. Easter and then it goes into Mother's Day yeah. and then it's graduation and then so, Memorial Day, 4th of July. Right now is like, this is the lull too, because you have graduation and people traveling, mm-hmm. which is usually I take some time off in August and like we'll close the shop for like a week or two just to get our breath because like you're just, it's always like a grind. You're always hustling like oh, here, yeah. obviously. And uh, it gets to be a lot. But um, yeah, like it's it's a little slow now, but like, like I said, like a month or two of work, but being able to catch up is so big. Like, just being able to get that stuff that's been in the shop for six months or whatever mm-hmm. that, or like, that people don't care about, um, that's that's always important. But, like, I don't know. I'm very grateful that somehow, even when we're slow, like, you know, I don't have to do anything and the emails, like, kind of come in, the phone's ringing. You're supporting three or four families. Yeah. I'm supporting four families. Uh, well, three families full-time and one family part-time. And then myself, technically. So it's pretty cool. And I've made it where I have, like, a livable wage. Like, mm-hmm. my dad was making $200 on the books. My mom was making 500 I think, on the books. And, like, they were more into the real estate side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's how they were making their money. I'm here grinding away trying to take as many, like, of the bigger jobs that I can get. And, like, just, like, where I have now, like, that big contract I got with the Hyatt Hotel has made it possible for me to now have that salary mm-hmm. i mean Good. i had i had like 300 dollars in the bank during covid like during that like the bad part it's crazy how quick it gets Ooh. down there it's like you always <laughs> manage do. to just yeah. eke it out you know we, we do that we had a couple sometimes. months Shit, man. you know since moving but you know it was so expensive to move where it's like oh it's ridiculous it's like we gotta do this we, install so we can get a check no, today no. because tomorrow is the first of the month <laughs> No, it's 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 unreal, man. Like even if you yeah. have ten grand in the bank, that's not enough. No, nothing. You know, like that's, that's, that's nothing. That's that's yeah, literally like this this week. You know, I have to pay my taxes. Obviously, our quarterly, mm-hmm. and that's like yeah. that's like six grand coming out. So yeah, you know, that makes you cry a little bit. But you know, I'm just thankful that that's, you do sales and use. Yeah, yeah. yeah so just you got that was like another, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, it's oh. it's a lot easier with the internet now to do all that shit. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do. It's hard yeah. to pay. You no, know exactly. I mean? And, like, there was those time periods where I'm like, 
having a heart attack that I'm going to have to pay. Like I've had my best quarter ever, but then I have to pay like Mm $15,000 and you're, you know, you're just like, you see that money one day and then the next day it's gone. And oh wait, you you see it going in and then you're like, I forgot that this huge chunk is going to come right back out. I mean, you like, you lick your chops for like those big, um, those big jobs like we just did. I mean, because that's going to be such a great payday for me, but that's going towards quarterly and that's going towards pay for real. Yeah, it's, it's very hard for businesses our size to get too far ahead. Yeah. Um, there's certain, certain limitations. We're trying to, um, you know, pivot and broaden what we do. And I, I, think, I think we're going to be pretty successful at it I, I think little by little yeah this this first kitchen you could see some of the hiccups and things like that but it's it's pretty um yeah, there's a lot of hope there because even given it's being the very first time you know and all the different things going on you can see how it could work yeah, I mean, like, you got to learn somehow, and it's always the school <laughs> of hard knocks. So now, would you guys take on an apprentice, or <laughs> do you want to? Pay to? Us. Yeah, I, I, maybe. Yeah, like somebody unpaid, we can maybe work. Like, I think we've had times where we were probably busy enough where we could have brought someone in, but it's like you were saying, like I don't want to bring someone in unless we can pay them a livable wage, and yeah. you know what I mean. That's and a lot. It, yeah. Especially in New Jersey. I mean, this is like the worst area to be in. Uh, same before I went to school in Pennsylvania. I mean, I was I think I was paying like three to four hundred dollars in rent. Mm-hmm. You know, I was living with a couple of people, but still, that's I mean, that's what here, I paid. Yeah, like four hundred bucks. Exactly. Like here, it's insane. It My was twelve hundred for a full ha- a full house with three guys living. Mind blowing. Yeah. But then here, I mean, you can't afford that. Thank God. I mean, not thank God. My friends in Pennsylvania, they all have houses, and they're all like. Jim, we bought our house when we were like 25, 26, because it was only 150,000. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah. You know, yeah. that's a down payment here. Well, not down payment, but pretty close to it here. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that's one of the reasons why I would love to get out of Jersey. I mean, you know, not now, but whenever, hopefully, I have a kid or a son that maybe wants to be the fourth generation, mm-hmm. take this to 100 years, like that'd be great. And then I can retire out and kind of get that satisfaction that my parents got, or at least my dad got um, from me taking over the business. I do still try to bring him into the business a little as well, just because like he needs something to do. Yeah. My mom would kill him if you know, he was in the house the whole time. <laughs> so, Keeps you uh, young, you know, especially when that was your thing. Yeah. There's a distributor of upholstery supplies uh, kind of by their place. And, uh, send him there once in a while or just send him like measure stuff and like he gets a you know he gets a kick out of it and he loves it so um but uh yeah i don't know like i I definitely feel like a lot of love from my parents for actually taking this on because i don't think many people wanted to like there's a there's a meat market down the block from us. They were called Maloney's Meat Market oh yeah i I recognize the sign so there for over 150 years right wow He had two kids. They didn't want to take it on. They had two white-collar jobs. They had that building for over 150 years. How much did they pay for that building? You know, the the uh, the guy he had, guy who had it, Maloney, uh, Tommy, he retired and gave it to one of the kids that was working for him. One day, he, like, showed up, and the place was just locked up and closed, and that was it. Oh, yeah. what a shame. So, 
That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it's same with the upholsterers in Jersey City. You know, a lot of the kids either, you know, the the daughters, number one, had no urge to do it um, just because, like, carrying stuff. And then, like, you know, the sons didn't want to get involved in it because it took a lot of, like, blood, sweat, and tears. It's hard work, no matter yeah. how you slice this. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny that some of the people that I met upholstery-wise um, at this meetup, you know, they're woman upholsterers getting mm-hmm. into the industry. And I said, how do you, you know, logistics, moving stuff? And they're like, you know, just hiring guys. The one in Brooklyn, she had 15 maybe people working there. It was wow. insane. I was blown away. I've never, like, my shop is, you know, it's it looks like, you know, controlled chaos, like you said. Um, but this one is, this one was great. It, um, everything was in a plastic bag. Everything was... Measurements were signed off on on a piece of paper. This step, every measurement had to sign up. Next step, sewing machine. Okay, now this person has to sign off. Then it goes to this, you know, the upholstering. Mm. I was blown. I've never seen an upholstery shop like that. But that's what you need. You need a warehouse space. Yeah. And then, like I told you guys, they had the, uh, what do you call it, a CMC machine mm-hmm. in the next workshop. So you can't beat that. Making frames. I mean, you, you, that's, yeah. you know. And I can only imagine how much one of those frickers cost. Oh yeah, yeah, like a over a hundred grand. Yeah, like a a base one, like starting fifty fifty grand, you know, for like a four by eight, you know, four by eight. A normal business can't really afford that. No, you have to do like we did with the edge banner. You got to <laughs> pay, you know, twelve hundred bucks a month for five years. Uh, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. As long as that, you know, investment is you know doubling and tripling, yeah. like during like your, you know, your. You're obviously like your gross, you know, pull in. Like as long as you're making the money, that's all that matters. It and opens up. It's like buying a tool that makes you able to do something you couldn't do. Okay. Right. So it creates a whole new. Um, like if you didn't have that yeah. jukey and you, people kept coming to you and saying, can you do these leather? You're like, oh, we can't, you know, we I could mean, do it. We could do something by hand or whatever. This is probably a bad example as as a non upholsterer, but it would take you five times longer, and the the outcome out of it, yeah, yeah, the outcome would be half as good. Well, if you had that jukey, you could do it faster yeah. and better. So now you know you spent the money on it, but now you yeah. can take on these other types. That's of jobs. our jukey. So it's expanded your business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, we edge banded that big. whole kitchen in an hour. Oh, how long would that have taken? We couldn't do it. Two <laughs> days, <laughs> three days. That's and insane. The, and the outcome would have been nowhere as near good. as good. That's, I don't even know if we could do it in three days, all the handwork afterwards. Yeah. And that's it. That's how, you know, it's a, a small mom and pop shop, you know, what do you get? You know, you it's a risk. That. Yeah, you got to you know, go into like, debt. That's, that's literally, that's you got to make, you got to make sure that, you know, you're going to be able, well, you got to gamble on yourself. Yeah. It's, say, a, hey. it's a gamble. Yeah. Literally. But what else do you do? We could still be back in the backyard. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think you've done well for yourself. So you're doing, you're doing pretty okay. This is, a, I mean, uh, you know, this is an awesome shop. You got a cool setup. Yeah. You're just missing that bar. It's coming yeah. soon. <laughs> it's a start. You can right make there. one. What are we talking about? <laughs> Wait, I'm in a right there. There you go. Yeah. You know, what we need is a front. nice like big U shaped banquette right here. Oh, Put yeah. this table there. Really nice microphones. And casual. Really warm for some, the podcast. Some hair on the wall, velvet yeah. or something. Channeled backs to the ceiling. Oh yeah. Get really <laughs> You can hook us up. <laughs> we'll right? just, yeah. We'll, we'll get a designer in Eight here. Eight foot channel we'll backs. That's it. I'm thinking about channeling the whole room, actually. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, we'll get uh, you know, we get concerts in here, everything too. We'll get we'll some go, music. We'll get some pool noodles from the dollar yeah. store and stable them to the oh, wall. Boy, yeah, one guy ten <laughs> minutes. <laughs> that, that was an expression over at the old place. One guy ten minutes. Yeah. Oh boy, I uh, I don't know that for me, your journey is like so spectacular, and I love that you've shared that journey with me from just like how you guys met. And, you know, like humble beginnings with, you know, starting off in like the restaurant industry and then like starting from your, you know, the backyard, the barn, and then just seeing this, like the fruit of your labor. And is, we were teachers. I know. I, I love that. And I, I wanted to bring that up. Well, I think I did bring that up before that, like our connection, we have that history connection that we're not using their degrees, but I think, you know, for yeah. me, I definitely, it educated me and made I me a person agree. who it I makes, am. It does. It's, I mean... If you study history beyond high school history, which is, you know, all the, just the stupid numbers yeah. and dates and everything, it's ridiculous, really, the curriculum. Yeah, but if you study it in a university, it gives you a, such a different outlook. And I guess you have to have that, that inside of you, that urge to look outside your oh, yeah. own little world to take in all these other views. But it, that's what it did to me. It changed my whole world view. That and travel. I mean, yeah. you get, your mind will just open up fully from that. I mean, it's just, there's nothing better for someone who's closed-minded than to just take a trip somewhere new and, like, experience something that you're uncomfortable <laughs> with. And sometimes that could be college. Yeah, I think yeah. That's that just a very broadening place that for was many the thing. People, especially I if you're sheltered. I was studying radio and television. You know, cool. production okay. and all this other stuff. And I had this history class and I thought it would be a throwaway class. The history professor was just so cool and so um, enthusiastic and passionate about it. I said, wow, man, I never had a teacher like this before, ever. That's and how so you, I wound up taking another one and another one. And that's, and how, that's I, how it came to Yeah, you. yeah. Me, I kind of, I mean, I just, I always loved history and I had no idea. I mean, I think the education system in this country is so whacked out you oh, know yeah. it should be more like europe where you have some time to actually travel and kind of experience life a little bit to say oh this is what i want to get involved in at whatever like 20 instead of oh 18 here you go here's your yeah. whole life mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah like what's the percentage of people who change majors once it's gotta be like 85 <laughs> percent and then what's the people you know and then dwindle it down in another sense to say, okay, what's the, you know, how many people use that actual mm -hmm. degree? You know, you right. got to go back to grad school and grad school is never cheap. Yep. I mean, I know so many people that are in debt and they're like, Jim, I'm going to be paying this stuff off till I'm 50. Mm -hmm. That's what, crazy. That's I mean, a, it's ridiculous. That's criminal. We've talked about this before, but um, several times we disagree with the whole setup and the mechanism of yeah. the costs. And the, I mean, that's why you just have to be smart with what you're choosing, but not many people at that age can How be. can you be? Yeah, How 18, can you be? like, yeah. oh, I'll go to a school that's $50,000 cause that sounds reasonable. It's, you don't have the, the real, you don't have the wherewithal to make those decisions yep. that are foisted upon you. It's like, and you see how impressionable grown adults are, <laughs> let alone a 17 year old kid. You know, you just, you right. do what, what you're told is the right thing to do. Basically. I, right. was, I, I wish there was more trade schools out there that would help. Um, I mean, the kid that works for me, uh, his name's Aiden. Shout you out, Aiden. 
Um, Robert's grandson. He's the sweetest kid in the world. He just graduated. He's 18. And he wants to go to mechanic school. $38,000 a year. Oh, my hmm. God. I said, in a freaking mechanic school. I cannot believe it. So it, it, it's pretty mind-blowing. Um, but, I, I, I mean, hey, I went to a crappy little little liberal arts school. You know, I think it was 13000 at the time. So I got lucky there compared to others. Yeah, I think I was, it was in the 30s, I think. It's like over the top. I, uh, I, I just like, I, I freak out about how someone can like sign up for that. Like I have, <laughs> I have a couple of clients that are in like their 60s and like they went back to school and they were older and they're like, yeah, Jim, I'm paying off my loans. I'm like, you're 65. What are you doing? I went back. And graduated when I was 40. And, but. I paid off and all Oh, good. yeah. All right. Well, listen to this. This is part of what gives, gets me all worked up about it. I was paying 0.9% interest. Wow. Yeah, I was not. Yeah, that's. And so this wasn't a long, really. I mean, it was it's 23 years ago now uh, when I graduated. I don't know how much I paid. Minor eight. I think it was seven or eight percent for yeah. me. That's what that's, I was saying. That's not cool. Yeah, no, it's not. It's. Um, uh, I'm thankful. Like you know, my parents helped me. I think I paid like thirty thousand <clears> of it off, and uh, I mean, I was I was teaching, so I was living at home. I had no. Oh yeah, that, you know? that's why I went back. You know, yeah. to, to get the the full degree to teach. I was my first teaching job in New Jersey, six hundred and twenty six dollars a week. Yeah. Right. Like, how are you going to pay off your loans or live in New Jersey? So Or shape the minds of the youth. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> Here, we're tasking you with this immensely important job. That's have similar fun to in, my thing. I worked at food Baruch stamps. College. And same, just kind of. A couple of hundred bucks yeah. a week. I'm like, man, I can't live. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you, history teachers were easy to come by when I was like 10 years ago when I was be, uh, trying to be a teacher and like you just find them anywhere i mean there was some like i mean catholic schools muslim schools like whatever i didn't care i just wanted a job mm -hmm. and like they want to give you less than 30k a year and you're just yeah. like holy crap how are you gonna yeah well those the there were all those starter schools in newark the charters yeah. oh yeah those and nightmare stories man They're, yeah and oh. the pay was low too yeah and you got to stay till like four or five o'clock yeah yeah long seven. days oh it's miserable i thought the urban schools are supposed to pay better well these were the these, public schools yeah it's these were these charter schools yeah. i worked in one in patterson and like just terrible like just uh, it was more of a business platform and mm -hmm. like the people, you know, the administration, quote unquote, CEO would always be like looking at you, making sure, you know, everything <laughs> was being done right. And it's just like, oh boy. Yeah. So, That's why I became a teacher. Right. Yeah. Very <laughs> micromanaged. Right. I like the supervision. <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful that I had this to like kind of jump into and I kind of knew yeah. that I had this and like, I don't want you know. I knew my dad was older mm -hmm. and he wanted to keep it going and he just wasn't ready to, you know, back away from it. And literally the whole, I guess the, the moment that changed my life, we were in the car in the summertime because I would help him in the summer. Um, I'd go on vacation for like a month and then come back and do a month with him. And uh, my mother had just got hurt. She had fallen and broke her shoulder so they put her shoulder on backwards 
What? Yeah. So she, like lifting her arm is like a really pain oh in the God. ass thing. Yeah. Well, uh, how? Yeah. She like slipped on a, their kitchen floor and like that was it. So, and my mom was running the business at that point. She like ran the, like shout out to my mom. She like ran the business when my dad was sick with cancer while, you know, being his nurse and everything. And Robert was a part of it too. And he did such a great job and continues to, I mean, I don't think you can get, you know, a better employee slash friend, like lifelong, lifelong friend and just part of the family, honestly. Um, because he like, he's so passionate about his work and because both of us are so passionate, like we're very, we're just able to kind of gel together and do, you know, these extraordinary projects at such a high clip because we're trying to grind away and make a better future for both of us. So it's been really cool. Um, but yeah, after my mother, you know, after that, my dad's like, Hey, I'm 72. And I'm like, this is, it's too much. And, uh, at that point I stepped in, it was the slowest August that I think I've ever gone through in the business. And I was like, the hell what am I doing? <laughs> what the frick did I, I call my mom, like, what the hell? Like, you hell, didn't tell Mr. me it was going to be like this. So, you know, I'm thankful that I'm, you know, able to go back and ask them for any pointers or uh, whenever I have issue. But, you know, I don't really need their help anymore. I mean, I'm grateful for the help that they give me. But anytime I need it, like, they're always there. But, now you're helping them. Well, yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's truly intense. Like, my parents never thought we'd do the business we, you know, we've been doing. But even before that, they've they've done, like, their biggest project. They did, like, 500 chairs for Goldman Sachs building. Wow. That's so, a lot. Yeah, that was, and it was, <laughs> get the, well, I was, I did part of it um, in the summertime, but it was just Robert and my mom and dad doing 500 chairs. Seat it's back. like the salt boxes. It's like an entire year's worth of work, I feel like. It's pretty insane, right? I think that was like three months. So we would do it um, in sets of 25s, It'd be 25s, 25s, wow. and like, you know, going back and forth. And it was such a pain in the ass because we didn't have the correct COI. They're like, they wanted $2 million worth of insurance for it's like, like we're just off. dropping off chairs. <laughs> Literally. And I'm like, what the? We're doing work there again um, for the Royal Bank of Canada in that same building. And the same thing, like you need like $2 million worth of. We had some issues with that. Yeah. Oh, and insane. specifically Jersey City, Hoboken. They're, yeah. yeah, they're real. I mean, it's just like I'm going to pick up a couple cushions and mm -hmm. like that much umbrella coverage. Like, I'm sorry, like this is not possible. They're like, if you, I, I was telling you them, like, threw if you the can, chair and it <laughs> yeah. went through the window and then it That's fell it. down and hit the queen. Yeah. I've done, I've, I've done that a couple times. I'm like, hey, if you could bring the uh, the piece out, just leave it there, and mm -hmm. I'll just randomly happen to be there and we'll pick it up. So that happens a lot. Um, it's like, no, I'm off the clock. I'm not working right now. Yeah. I'm just doing a favor for somebody. <laughs> but that guy. 25 favors. <laughs> that, that guy through that company that we did that work with became a great friend. Um, he's got a company called SKM uh, in Long Island City. And he, he, I don't know, he knew somebody or just maybe did great work in one hand, like one person to one person. He's the contractor of that Goldman Sachs building. Wow. As well as uh, we've done work for like Google and YouTube. And he's the contractor for that Chelsea Market building, mm. as well as like the Nike building that we do work for. That he's So he's really hooked us up with all these interesting people and also just different restaurants in the city. 
um, one on Saks Fifth Ave, like all this crazy stuff. This uh, restaurant on Saks Fifth Ave, they had a designer come in from France. It's a French place called La Avenue. And they decided to use untreated leather. Mm. So on mm. all of their seating, and like it's just like after a year, it just looked like someone peed on everything. <laughs> and they paid all this money for like, you know, fine Italian leather and like all these French beautiful pieces and just all ruined. So it's that's the one thing you got to worry about with some people that like don't know their stuff. Some of the like the bright ideas they may yeah, have. Yeah, well, just good some, on the sample tray. Well, just some designers that like they they like they are like newer into the industry or don't know. Like, well, like that's like a rookie mistake. That mm-hmm. like holy crap, that's like huge. Like trying to push the boundaries, but taking off a bite, a too big of a bite. Yeah. And unfortunately that will bite you in the long run because they paid, you know, six, seven figures to get all of this furniture. It wasn't just, they got it reupholstered. They bought this furniture and shipped it from France. So, but yeah. Uh, and then to end on like, you know, my dad with the business, he, he literally was just like, Hey, you know, the business is yours. We're in, we're in the money machine, AKA the minivan. That that thing has made so much money, and uh, they got in the clunker deal in 2008, so he got the financial assistance of $4,500 from the government, and then he got money from from Chrysler, and then he got money from um, the bailout. So it was the bailout to Chrysler, and it was 9000 or $10,000, and I think that van was $1,600 or $16,000. Wow. And everybody <laughs> always looks at us like, you're going to pick up my shit in that? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick yeah. it up in that. That Cost is my money nothing. machine. Yeah, this is my, I used to feel like a soccer dad in that thing when I started, like, when I started running the business for my parents, when they were still running the shop in, like, my early 20s, when I got back from college, I was like, I'm a freaking loser. <laughs> you know, what the hell am I doing? We used to pull up in a U-Haul van. Yeah. Hey, I still, you know, like, those big projects, like, I have to get a U-Haul, and that's mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I needed probably a truck like you guys, honestly. Um, but the minivan's great. The seats just fold down and like, you just, you know, you can fit a sectional in there. I know a couple guys who are like, you know, carpenters, cabinet makers who drive minivans. Yeah. yeah. That's what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, the seats just go down into it and boom. So I have a guy, like if I ever have an appliance that, that I'm getting rid of, I call this guy, he like fix them up and gives them to people who need them. And he's got a minivan. He's like, I could fit four by eight sheet of plywood. Like he, he literally has a sheet of plywood in the back. He's, he like throws a, a, a washing machine back there. You know, <laughs> that's literally, I mean, I can't, so the minivans moved me in and out of college, uh, moved my friends in and out of their places. Uh, you know, it's just, it's funny how much you can fit in there. And oh, then, yeah. if not on top works too. Unless you got a banquette, that would be weird. That's funny. A 43-footer. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. That wouldn't be fun. I uh, I can't remember the banquette. Oh, I'm a, I delivered the banquette from, uh, and that fit, in, the red ones, they fit in the car. Wow. I don't I don't understand how those fit, but. Those are bitches. Yeah. Just kind of put the red flag on it. Mm-hmm. So, pretty cool stuff. Well, we're about to tick over the three-hour mark. I think I'm good, man. So we should wrap it up. Yeah, man. it was wonderful. I loved. Uh, oh wow, four o'clock, five o'clock. Holy we crap. knew this was gonna run. Did you? I had a feeling. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Hey, man. I like to talk, and you know, it's always cool talking to you guys, and it's uh, it's always neat just like learning about. The yeah, industry. we're gonna have you back. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If you have other 
guests that would even make it better, like just like other woodworkers that you'd want to get on, like at the same time, that'd be cool, like a round table discussion. Oh, yeah. That'd be fucking we got one more mic. Yeah. Okay. We've that's... done a couple uh, with four people. Yeah. Okay. We might get a designer in here and yeah. somebody. That'd be cool, Jacqueline. I mean, yeah. to get both of us to get two, actually three takes from the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jacqueline's got the top spot for episode right now, so yours isn't out yet. You could take the top spot. Yeah. I don't know with my rambling if I'll take the top spot, but I'll, People I'll love sure it. try. People yeah. love oh, it. Oh, boy. The longer yeah. the episode, the better. Yeah. yeah. They feel like they're getting their money's worth. Oh, yeah. boy. Well, I hope I... Uh, I don't know if I taught anybody about anything about upholstery, but, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it's definitely a neat industry to learn about, and... Uh, I think it's cool because I don't... I don't know if people have been exposed to it as, as yeah. much, at least our audience. Especially, yeah. yeah, as woodworkers, cabinet makers, we, uh, it's, it's actually, it's very um, beneficial for us to get a glimpse at any of these other trades that we work with, you know, mm-hmm. just to better understand. Yeah, just getting an idea. I mean, honestly, look at the banquettes we've created. I mean, you've gotten better, like, time-wise at making them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And just, like, it's just, like, you perfect certain things that, you know. Yeah, just figured it out. I mean, we were, like, way overbuilding them in the beginning. We probably still are <laughs> overbuilding them. But, you know, that's we found... That's our style. Yeah, we just As found, long as the customer likes it, that's all we care yeah, about. Yeah. We just don't want a failure, you know what I mean? That's yeah. the whole thing. Oh, this you, is good. Those le- the legs killed yeah. us. For- I know. You were so upset. I was like, come on, man. Like, that's why, you know... Out of the 60 years in business, I've heard it all. Like Mm -hmm. someone literally sued my parents because they like, there was, you've seen in some videos that I've posted, like the, you know, deteriorating sand in there. That's the foam. And like clients will literally like be like, oh, leave the foam. But if, you know, in that sense, we couldn't leave the foam because it was deteriorating. And this was my dad running the business about 10, 12 years ago. And it was just one inch piece of foam on it. And my dad replaced it with a high-end piece of blue foam. It was nice. The woman sued my dad, said you replaced the foam when you shouldn't have. The foam was falling apart. My dad couldn't do anything about That's it. That's insane. Yeah. The woman wanted double the money back from what the couch was. And like she For bought pain and suffering. She bought this couch cushion into the courthouse. Thankfully, we're a block from the courthouse and we're just like, What? Like, and the <laughs> the you know, the judge was like, What the hell? Like, yeah. get out of here. So, I mean, you know, it's just you deal with stuff like that in business. So, mm-hmm. not bad. Well, anyway. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you on social media. All right. So, we're at Jamal Upholstery. So, it's at Jamal, J-A-M-M-A-L underscore upholstery, U-P-H-O-L-S-T. E R Y. Well, there we go. I got it. We out got there. to read it off your shirt. <laughs> there you yeah. go. I should have probably done the same thing. <laughs> established 1963. Yeah, established 1963. Yeah. We got some cool shirts. If anybody wants to buy them, they're on sale. I also, nice. honestly, I give them away too to customers yeah. if they like spend a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, spend a certain amount of money and you get a free T-shirt. They feel like they're getting one over on me. I guess. Yeah. But oh, people love a freebie. Check out the newest uh, postings. New oh, yeah. webbing. We got, uh, yeah, so we're making foam. like uh, a, a um, oh God, a bolt, uh, what do you call it? Like a bolche, uh textured chair right now hmm. um, that we've been working on. So we're working on two modern ones that you just kind of saw the new webbing. I wanted to take a picture today of the banquet, but they're like, no, we're having professionals come in. Like, I hate that. 
And I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like, this for me, like. I'm like, I'm just trying to put, you know, so, you know, I'm just trying to build up my phones, you know, showing people what we can do. Yeah. And they're like, no, we got to wait for the professionals. I'm like, I mean, that's impressive. We had it all together and the shop is 70 feet. It's more than half the width of the shop. I mean, it's huge. I don't know if my dad's ever done a banquet that big. And I was like, yeah, I feel this may be the biggest one we've ever done. And it was, it was pretty epic. They're, uh, I like working with those guys. They give us some jobs. It's just, uh, it's just a roller coaster getting there. Like most, most clients. Yep. Yeah, Tell them to get us some meal passes. They only changed the size about I, four, four times. Right? Yeah, oh my God. 43, yeah. 42, 47. That's the, and I'm like, I went down last night to see them and they're like, oh, it's too big. And I'm like, it's because we didn't put it together yet. And I'm like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, you know, if anything, I'll cut it down. And I'm like, this is stupid. We don't need to cut this down. So that's our, that's our alarm going on. <laughs> Tell us to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> All right, man. All right, well, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, thanks for and coming it's on. at Jamal Upholstery. If you need it, Jersey City, Tri-State Area, Central Jersey, we're out. Get them up. Detroit, California, wherever. Petaluma. Yeah, Sausalito, especially if you're giving me a spot to stay in Sausalito. Yeah. Then I'll come. I'll even pay for my flight. <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. As always, Rob and I, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you want to help support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, we appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in.